Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from Mima's room, discussing the 1997 animated psychological horror film, Perfect Blue. This film was directed by Satoshi Kon from a screenplay by Sadayuki Murai, based on the novel Perfect Blue, Complete Metamorphosis by Yoshikatsu Takeuchi. In his feature directorial debut, Khan blends horror, drama, and social commentary with dazzling visuals and psychological thrills. Perfect Blue reaches admirable depths with pointed looks at societal expectations, the pitfalls of celebrity, toxic fandom, consumerism, and idolization. It's no wonder this film has proven influential in the years since its release and is often listed as one of the greatest psychological thrillers of all time. This film was recommended to us by friends of the show and Wendigo getters Michael Newding and Eggie. We want to thank them both for their continued support of the show as well as this suggestion. So, Perfect Blue, what were your first impressions on the film? I had never heard of this movie before. Uh-huh. Um, Michael Newding sent us a copy. Thank you very, yes. very yes. much for yes. that. Absolutely. Um, this was wild. <laughs> uh, I love anime and this was fantastic mm -hmm. like i said i i don't know how i've never heard of it because i've seen a lot of older anime before and this is fucking bonkers <laughs> but in a good way yeah i <laughs> i did enjoy this movie i have small you know what i mean things to talk about later but like uh, this movie i was like holy shit i was like this is <laughs> this is what's happening and i was like this is great I would definitely recommend this. Like oh, this, for sure. is, this is this was a very good movie, and uh, I was kind of I was confused the first time. Then watching it the second time, I was like, okay, I got a better kind of understanding. Not fully, but I was able to answer some more questions that I had from before. Uh -huh. um, but no, this this was a hell of an impression the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I had if. If I had ever heard of it, it was like in passing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, I'm kind of, I guess, dabbling in anime. I'm uh -huh. not, it's not something that I've always been super into or anything like right. that. So, well, we did watch Pokemon a lot as we children. did watch Pokemon. I mean, no. uh, besides Pokemon, I mean, yeah, that, was, that was the extent <laughs> of it, really. <laughs> um, so it's not, I don't think it would necessarily be something at any point in my life before now that I would have sought out or been like, oh, I got to see that or yeah. whatever. But, it rocked my shit. Like, I don't know a more eloquent way to put that. It was incredible. Um, I watched it. I watched it more than once to prepare for recording. But the first time I watched it, I had gotten off work and I started it. And then I had to go pick up the kids from school and then come back and resume. Mm -hmm. But when I had stopped and left, when I was sitting there thinking about it, I was it's kind of hard to explain but i felt like a sense of dread just thinking Whoa. yeah not like not wanting to watch it but like putting myself and remembering <laughs> what i had seen so it like stuck with me even when i wasn't watching it it was this weird feeling of like something terrible is happening here. yeah and i wasn't even watching it <laughs> so i don't like so that means i feel like that's <laughs> that's a big 
plus, I would say, because I had stepped away. I wasn't even in my house anymore. And I was uh-huh. like, man, I I have a really bad, <laughs> bad feeling. <laughs> you saw another version of you walking by. Right. Yes, the mirror was talking to me. And I was like, like oh, my oh, my God. God. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucked. This movie has ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. No, but and then when I had watched it the first time, I was like, oh, like, it's very confusing on purpose uh-huh. um, in certain points, especially toward the end. Right. And so when you finally get resolution and then it's the end and then the credits roll and you're like, Oh my God, like, okay, that was a cohesive story. I fully understood, you know, ultimately what happened yeah. and where we ended up. And then I watched it again and I was like, I don't know that I was right about what I thought. Really? Yeah. And then, going on Reddit and watching YouTube videos and seeing people break it down and why they definitely think that the ending that I got the first time is not really what's going on. And uh-huh. I'm like, well, f- I don't know. I don't even know my own name anymore. <laughs> like I've gone so deep down the rabbit hole that it is just, but I, there is so much to me value in a film that can do that mm. where I can watch it twice and be like, did I watch this wrong the first time? I mean, that is priceless to me mm-hmm. and i am a psychological horror girl like that's right. my shit so this was um you asked me what i thought about I did, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i really loved it i, I believe that's where we started <laughs> no but i i completely agree i i really enjoyed this film the first time that i watched mm-hmm. it honestly i think like you had said i don't know that i ever would have sought it out specifically right i had seen it in a lot of lists of like greatest psychological horror films right right and of course and we'll talk about in a little bit i definitely heard the film used in discussions of the works of darren aronofsky right and we'll get to that in a bit well specifically uh even when Michael Newding sent it to us, he was like, if you like Black Swan. Exactly. Yes. And that was the thing is that when Michael Newding sent it to us, I was like, you know, I've seen this all over the place. Uh Uh-huh. Never had the chance to watch it. Yeah. It was never streaming anywhere. And I, you know, the idea of renting something on the thing, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It is streaming right now on Shudder. It is. If y'all have not seen it. There's a you know a good place to watch it. Right. Oh, this yeah. is not sponsored. This is not sponsored. No. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like it to be shut. Yes. <laughs> despite our best despite efforts. our best efforts, <laughs> the show is not sponsored. Um, <laughs> but after I finally watched it, I was like, okay, I totally understand the hype. Right. Oh, for sure. I just found it to be not only interesting, but like you had said, downright unsettling right yeah um i think that the story is so there and that's what the thing is for me is that there's so much depth to the story and con had said this i good lord you talk about a rabbit hole that you went on i also went down in a ridiculous rabbit hole interviews on his website articles i read one from andrew osmond i believe Mm -hmm. uh where he interviewed satoshi khan I read um, critical like think pieces, all this stuff. Like it was, it was a lot. Yeah. But the thing is, is that that was their intention going into it. Is that they do? He has his idea of what. I also watched a forty-minute lecture series <laughs> with him. <laughs> Did he share what he? He kind of shared what he what his idea of it is. But whenever he heard opposing opinions, and this is what I liked about it, he was very open to them. Uh-huh. He's not like, no, this is what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. He's like, it's very interesting that you think that and that you could get that from this and i'm not gonna tell you you're wrong that's the thing is i've read so many theories Uh a lot of which 
contradict each other. Yeah. But if you look at them all separately, it's like, no, that could be it. No, that could yeah. also be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I have my idea. There's yeah. something so special about a piece of anything uh, art that can make you feel that way or elicit so many different responses and the thing is that there's the evidence to support it right yes yeah it's not like it's just everybody having like a you know well they're actually all robots in this movie yeah. like, no, <laughs> i that, can see that it never happened. Yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> not one time did they say robots um although there are the power trons but yeah <laughs> all i'm saying is that that's the the depth of the writing to where you can get all of these things out of it and no matter what you come to the conclusion of at the end of it it was an impactful experience, period. Definitely. Um, I did want to talk about the beginnings of this project because I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. As I said in the intro, the novel, um, it was kind of more straightforward All right. as compared to what we get in the film. It was originally going to be a live action film. Okay. And the author of the novel had written a screenplay for it and he took it to these studios and he's like, this is what it is. Want to get it made. Mm-hmm. But- Nobody really wanted to make it live action. The budgeting wouldn't come through. And so they're like, okay, well, what if we make it animated? Right. And so Satoshi Khan, he actually wasn't much of a director at all. He had maybe directed a couple series here and there. He got his start in manga. Oh, all right. And he worked under Katsuhiro Omoto. Right. Who did Akira. Okay, oh, very cool. Akira is great. I, I need to see it. It's fantastic. I do too. That was kind of his, I guess, shoe in the door. Is that mm-hmm. what the saying is? Yeah. Foot, Foot in the door. door. Foot in the door. <laughs> but right. He's probably wearing a shoe. Yeah. <laughs> One would hope. The door would be quite painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he got brought onto the project, they said, you know, here's the script that the author wrote. And he goes, this is terrible. <laughs> Wow! but the thing was is that he's like (laughs) he didn't like it and he goes okay look i if you want me to make this film yeah i don't want to make it but if you'll allow me (laughs) if you'll allow me to change some things yeah i will absolutely make it he gets the permission of the author to change stuff yeah they say you only have to have three things idol horror and stalker Okay. That's that, it. Yeah. Those are all three. Are all yeah, there. They're all there. <laughs> check, check, and check. <laughs> and so he's like, all right. And so he starts basically with the frame of Perfect Blue. Yeah. And then from scratch, all the that, other stuff is added from him. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. I would really love to, because I didn't even know that this was a book. I didn't either until. Before I started, you know, reading and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would love to see where it started. Yeah. And to end up with what we got. From what I understand, he's like, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the great thing, which I really appreciate, is I think that there was a re-release or a reissue of the novel later on, and it kind of had a foreword by the author. And in it, he talked about Khan's film, mm-hmm. and he said that the changes that were made were fantastic. So it's like he even understands. It's almost like we talked about a long time ago with... Um, Probably off mic. <laughs> it was never on the show. Um, <laughs> we talked about Fight Club. I, I knew you were going to say that. And how Polaniak was like, it improved the upon movie's it. better. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I think that's kind of what happened here. The odd thing, though, is that he was told originally while they're in production, he's like, this is going to be straight to video, is what they told him. 
And in the middle of production, they tell him that it's actually going to be released in theaters. Oh, shit. And so he's got this mindset, which kind of feeds into something that comes up later because he was like, look, if this is going to be straight to video, I need to do something very graphic in this so that it stands out. Yeah. And that explains something that comes later. Oh, okay. And so learning that it's going to be in theaters, it kind of changes everything. Well, and we talked about that with Creep, Mm -hmm. about how some, like, depending on the film, the method of reception or whatever you know what i mean it absolutely changes yeah he got um kind of lucky though because after it was released in theaters they decided to release it to festivals and that's kind of how it took hold and kind of became more of a worldwide situation how aronofsky becomes aware of it you know those kinds of things becomes aware well yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we'll we'll get to that as well (laughs) um i think that the thing is is that it's just so brilliant in their mix of, I guess, reality and illusion. Yeah. So many theories to be had about what happened that here completely. Yeah. And I can't wait to dive into it. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting if we come up with three completely different interpretations of it. Right. Because we haven't talked at all. No. I mean, we did at breakfast this morning, but we didn't yeah. talk about the movie. We wouldn't even look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before we create a website for this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's take to the stage. So the film opens with a live taping of the Powertrons, a Power Rangers-like television series. Yeah. My first thought was, did I start the right movie yes <laughs> seriously I was I like, hold was like, on. The, it looks like fine but uh-huh. that's, i right. don't think that's what this is the cover is did not show these no. guys. <laughs> right. like, this is the pounder rangers right oh, oh my god. god wrong movie <laughs> right very <Yes>. wrong <laughs> <laughs> but as rock music plays in the background red blue and green played by koichi tochika Kisho Taniyami and Soichiro Hoshi, respectively, launch a special attack on Kingberg, the villain, who curses them as he retreats into a cloud of smoke. The Powertrons lament his escape, but promise to uphold the peace of the network. So, obviously, first things first, I was like, it's the Power Rangers. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah. It made me think of, you know, when I was a child and hopes and dreams and all that. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> Remember those? Yeah, remember yeah. those guys? <laughs> They've long gone, but... Yeah. Khan, in a lecture, he stressed the importance of the first scene of any film, really. Mm -hmm. But he said the first scene in this film specifically, it was to establish the theme of masks and personas. Okay. And he said, when you look at it that way, it kind of sets up the whole film because persona, which is also Latin for masks, is kind Mm. of one of the major themes of the whole film. For sure. When you look at really every character, and we'll get to that later. I don't want to spoil too much too soon. But the other thing that he said was Kingberg, he used to mean the king of bugs, and they talk about peace on the net. Oh. Like a disturbance on the net. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, God damn. All right. I'm like, this is going to be a lot deeper than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. You're like, God damn it. Because I swear swear the first time, because I watched this four times to do this episode. Right, right. But the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, cool. You know, it's just whatever the opening act is for what's coming later. Yeah. And that's where it ended for me. Yeah. And the second time I'm like, I think the entire film is set up with these Power Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that it it uh it is a little older anime uh-huh. but I love it. 
like the style yeah. of it i was like okay i was like i feel comfortable here so that was my thing is like I, i'm not as well versed right but watching this i was i appreciated how it was animated mm. and i think there's a lot of moments of fluidity in the animation right i didn't know how this compared to really anything oh no this looks good okay and it's i like i said you can tell it's a little older uh-huh um but it doesn't hurt it it gives it that charm right so yeah. it's like oh no this is gonna be good okay you know what i mean because yeah. you can they're not saying that you can just look at something and be like oh that's gonna be good or bad but the style of it you know what i mean and yeah you're like okay this is this there was love put into this where you know what i mean this this should be good and there's a lot of care place they whenever i was watching all those interviews they were talking about how khan did all the storyboards himself yeah and then he took them to the animators there was a team of um, according to imdb at least 80 animators god damn on this project the budget was really low and so i think a lot of people um who are like super well versed in anime probably can maybe pick apart a little bit yeah, of stuff yeah. here and there. But for me, I was like, man, I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the camera glides over a large crowd, panning across a line of cameramen at the back. Two kids rush out of the performance, talking shit about how cheap it looked <laughs> and saying that it's nothing like it is on TV. Yeah. This, again, when you look at it in hindsight, yeah. it's like your idea of something, your perception of perception it. Perception versus reality. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I was like, man, this is really smart. Yeah. <laughs> But after the kids run by, we pan over a group of Mima fans. Mima fans A, B, and C, who I could not find actors for. I did my best. <laughs> it, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are credited as additional voices. Right. So it could be any of them. Yeah. All right. So I, I don't know. But Mima fan B details his bootlegged concert discs, one from when Ray was interrupted by guys starting trouble, and one where Mima sang in place of Ray. Fan C says it was a true show of Mima's singing voice, but Fan A stops all the gushing, asking his friends, is the rumor true? Fan B merely responds, oh, that. So we already know yeah. something yeah. big's going on. But we then follow a man selling concert fanzines of the band Cham for 400 yen, who walks past another group of fans on their laptops. They say that Mima is announcing the news today because it's the last concert. The other laptop fan is annoyed at this, calling it a nothing show and saying it's cold of Mima to do this. So I I know they they said a show and all that. So is this like uh like a mall or something, or is this like a TV studio where they're doing all these like different things? Or so from what I understand, and I again am not an expert on this, right? But pop idols they do events like this, okay, in public spaces. Ah, uh, all right, all and right. So right. I think this is just, and that's what's interesting to me is that I don't know if you guys have looked into the pop idol system mm -mm. in uh, Japan or Korea, but it's very well. I was gonna say it's very different from the states, but it's really not because in the pop idol system they kind of find people they think would be good at singing or. Uh, dancing or acting or whatever and they kind of train those people from being amateurs to the level of being performers yeah all right and they kind of have to follow like strict rules yeah to stay a part of the system oh okay, okay. they sign contracts so and a lot of that i'm assuming has to do with their image and yes and, yeah. Yeah. and a lot of it is maintaining that image right all right and so it's really not that different from yeah. signing a record contract in the u.s or anything yeah 
or getting dropped for doing something exactly. that yeah, yeah. doesn't align with the way they want you to look right. or whatever. I just thought it was interesting because, and not to jump too far ahead, but he was like, it was a nothing show or whatever he said. Yeah. And then when they do come out, they sing one song and then they're like, all right, guys, we got one more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's well, kind of why I was confused too. <laughs> I'd be pissed. <laughs> well, then they are. They yeah. are very mad. <laughs> But maybe it's just it's just an exhibition or whatever. <laughs> All right. Like, like we got one single. Yeah. I'm like, damn, me, well, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're like, look, we only wrote one song for this film. So we got to make it last. <laughs> but a couple of backpacked fans walked by the laptop fans discussing recent talks of going solo with the other fans suggesting that Mima is more than capable of becoming an actress. But they stop in their tracks when they spot the troublemakers from the previous concert mentioned by the Mima fans. We see Tadashi Doi, played by Akio Suyama, and his group of hecklers who clearly look like a bunch of punk ass kids. Yes. Yeah. They're standing at the vending machines, and I'm like, I already hate these guys. Like, yeah. I don't know <laughs> anything about You're them. You're only here to cause trouble. Exactly. Like, yeah. you, can, you can tell. Uh, in, even in cartoon form. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the backpack fans hope that they don't cause any trouble today. We cut to the Cham dressing room where Ray, played by Shiho Niami, nervously bounces from foot to foot as a makeup artist tries to get her to stand still. Nearby is Yukiko, played by Emiko Furuaka, who is getting her dress fixed up by a very frantic costumer. Rumi Hidaka, the group's manager, played by Riko Matsumoto, tries to keep everything calm, reminding them of their entrances as to not blow their cues. Mima Kitagoi, played by Junko Iwao, sits in the chair of a makeup artist asking Rumi not to pressure her. Yukiko asks for a drink, which Rumi says that she can have after the show. Tadakoro, the group's agent played by Shinpachi Suji, paces back and forth on his cell phone, all businesslike. The frenzy of the dressing room is interrupted by a stagehand who opens the door and tells them that they're on. I loved the chaos in this room. Mm-hmm. Um, I laughed, and maybe now watching the whole film, it's not as funny, but... Mima, when they're trying to get ready and, you know, she's whatever, they're like, oh, you're dressed, blah, blah, blah. She goes, don't look at me. <laughs> I thought that, yeah. that was hilarious. But well, now I'm like, I mean, well, yeah. It's yeah. not as funny. Not so much. <laughs> it started a lot funnier. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things that kind of take a turn in this film, yeah. for being yeah. honest. But I did enjoy, I mean, personally, I mean, we've all, I think we've all been backstage at a thing before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not fun no but that moment of like pure chaos when everything is you're making sure everything's good and then you step out and it's like okay like this is what it was all for yeah Yeah. that's it's tops it it is a top uh, mm, that's one way to say (laughs) (laughs) i think my thing and it's the same thing because that you know they've been rehearsing for this for forever right but then the second they get on stage it's like we've done this like yeah she says later two and a half years yeah Yeah. they're like fuck 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 <laughs> they, were, they were fucking frantic. But as the clock strikes 3 p.m., Mima waits shadowed behind a curtain as an announcer introduces Cham to the stage. The curtain rips open as the crowd cheers, Mima, Ray, and Yukiko in their matching pink outfits taking their places on the stage underneath the lights, microphones in hand. We dip to white and get the title, Perfect Blue. Uh, perfect Blue placement no pun intended of the title card <laughs> for me yeah. um i also loved how they got out there and they were all frantic and freaking out and then they just settle right into yeah. it also i did see in a video that all of their dance moves are executed a little bit differently yes and i feel like that adds all so right. much 
realism to yeah, it yeah. because even if you're doing a choreograph you know what i mean right, they're, right, they're right. three different people uh, that was a lot for me i thought yeah. no that's, that's like amazing. a huge plus i think and again that goes hand in hand with the thoughtfulness of the animation yeah because yeah. i wouldn't think of that i'd be like well just animate them the same like well, yeah. they're doing the yeah. same move it's synchronized dance that's what it's called organized yeah. choreographed <laughs> dance <laughs> but also i mean the elephant in the room the mm. song is fucking fire oh, no, yeah. oh this is ridiculous <laughs> the, the dude. music in this movie yes is great it's so good this, this is it's so yeah. fucking good. I was like, <laughs> God damn. I do want to call out the composer. He's a guy called Masahiro Ikumi. And very oddly on his filmography, this is really the only thing. Wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he should be doing everything. Yeah. Because this, I mean, not just the songs from Cham, but like the score. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Amazing. There are some segments of music we were talking off mic that are genuinely frightening yeah. um they on the blu-ray there's some of the music playing on like you know the screen before you press play uh-huh. i was like i'm like i'm unsettled <laughs> can I'm you mute, mute that please <laughs> <laughs> i did want to talk about the title very quickly because they asked Khan in an interview, they're like, so perfect blue what does that mean mm-hmm. and he's like well the author of the book called it perfect blue I don't know what it means. Uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, that's the one thing I like. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I decided to keep. But again, it sounds very cool. Yeah, it does. And you can kind of put your own meaning on it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Whatever you feel. What What does perfect blue mean to you? Yeah. True. Especially like a lot of people that have analyzed this film. There's a lot of color theory that comes into play. Oh, yes, yeah. there is. And I feel like maybe that could play a factor in, you know, how you interpret the title of the film. Yeah. I, I interpreted it one way that'll get it's in it's in the last shot of the film. We'll talk about it yeah, when we get okay. there. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know um what the accepted I mean apparently there's not one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if he's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if the man himself doesn't yeah. know. <laughs> but we cut to Mima on the subway, listening to her headphones, patting her hand on her leg almost in rehearsal. Interspersed are shots of Cham performing the song Angel of Love on stage, complete with that synchronized dance. I will say, as we just discussed, the song is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The lyrics? Little troubling. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I, I, yeah. Not, not as right. I wanted to be clear on that, that as well. That time. Because... There, there is one section because it's basically about you know persevering, yeah, which is good on its own. Right? But they Not literally in no. <laughs> <laughs> they in the pursuit of love, they tell a suitor they literally say, "Be more aggressive." <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, oh shit! <laughs> and but they say you'll get the love in the yeah. end. It's like don't it's well, not a, don't es- do that. Especially because there may be someone listening to this song That's that like may take that literally. Notes, but, yeah. yeah. Um. I already, and as the film goes on, especially in the back half, there's a lot of unreality going on Uh and not really knowing what's really happening Mm. per se. Um, Here, when we're flipping back and forth between her doing her shopping and stuff, I, for a second, am like, so is she listening to this and pretending See that, that that she's on stage and performing it? Because I do that. You know what I mean? No no shade to that. But (laughs) I, I kind of was for a moment thinking okay so she loves this band or yeah. whatever and she's imagining herself up there but i think what's actually being executed is for the film super powerful because it shows like the on stage glowing you know mima right and then just the regular girl who's 
doing her shopping and mm-hmm. riding the train and at the I, same time i think that's like and that's one thing that i really appreciate about the film is that that idea of perception yeah mm-hmm. because to her she's just mima yeah you know and when she goes to the grocery store when she's riding the subway she's it's it's like the humanity of celebrities yeah right to where they don't really have to see themselves in the way that the fans see them mm-hmm. but to them that that's the idol that's me yeah, yeah yeah but to her it's like okay i need some milk, I need milk. I mean, yeah. yeah you know it's it's a completely different thing and then to other people she's a commodity yeah, yeah. you know it's like the uh, the person wearing so many different hats mm-hmm. but i think that's kind of not the whole message of the film because khan did say a lot about how a lot of the social commentary that people get from the film was not intentional mm-hmm. but for me i'm looking at it and i'm like you know it's kind of the mundanity of it all yes and like the pedestal that we put these people on and revere them right but they're really just regular people like we all need a head of lettuce from time to time yeah it's, like, it's not that big of a deal i felt that here and then i felt it later on when she goes home where it's like this is what they see you yeah. know the cute ass outfits and the, you know the performance but uh-huh. yeah yeah i'm i'm doing my shopping i'm running a bath i'm talking to my mom on the phone you know what i mean yeah. it's like that duality of who like you said who you're perceived to be versus the person that you actually are it's just it it already yes we're kind of getting off well, track yeah, but <laughs> i feel like this film does that though no it does but back on stage the song is very upbeat and they're killing it yes. <laughs> But as Mima turns her head, the shot match cuts to her in a grocery store, filling her cart with items. After she leaves, she pushes her bicycle towards the camera and we're taken back to the performance. That's one thing that I really enjoy about this film is that it is match cut city. Yes. Yeah. And I imagine it's a lot, probably a lot more difficult to do in live action films mm-hmm. in animation i understand that it would be a little easier but it's still not easy to accomplish yeah this as well as they do yeah and i was very impressed by it but the girls dance as the crowd chants for mima including tadashi and his troublemakers we hear a voice say mima should be acting not singing as mima spins on stage which match cuts to her crash landing onto a bed in tears in a dramatic scene she cries that she can't do this as her scene partner looks on in a gown, referring to her by her character's name of Mika. The scene grows grainy as we pull back from the television screen, and we see that Mima sits at a table with Tadakoro and Rumi, viewing the footage. Tadakoro says that they want Mima for a drama series, and that there's no better deal than this. But Rumi makes it clear that Mima can both sing and act. She doesn't have to trade one for the other. But Tadakoro says that the schedules are already conflicting. Rumi counters that Mima didn't go through all those singing lessons just to become an actress, and Tadakoro tells her that the TV producers praised Mima's acting, but Rumi reminds him that it's Mima's decision. Mima raises her head to answer, but as her mouth opens, Angel of Love continues on stage with Mima singing the chorus. They're throwing so much at us at once. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, I feel like there's so much to be said about duality in this, and even the people who are handling her... Like Rumi, it's a more motherly, like, no, let her choose or like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And dude's like, no, this is a better option for her and she needs to go ahead and do this. You yes. know what I mean? Like it's, she's already being pulled right, in two right. different directions. And I mean, you look at it as a business. Yeah. But I mean, and that's the thing is that there are a lot of like things tied up in this, not only just what Mima wants, but what's best for Mima. Yeah. yeah. What 
is best financially for this agency. Yeah. And she's kind of just caught in the middle of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, already I'm relating to this character. Definitely. And feeling very sympathetic towards maybe, what, five, ten minutes in? Yeah. And it's just, um, I mean, if that. And it's interesting the way that we're all viewing this in the backdrop of this concert. Yes. Because this is all going on behind the scenes while, you know... You still got to get up there and sing this fucking banger ass. Yeah. <laughs> no, so we can all agree. Yeah. <laughs> but the crowd is loving it, dancing right along with the choreography. And we pan over to the security. Uchida, played by Masaki Okura, crouches with his hair over one eye, the other eye appearing gray in faraway shots. He holds his hand out. And in a POV shot, we see Mima dancing in the palm of his hand as he smiles a crooked grin. Man, Hazel and Ugly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this is fucking terrifying. Uh, yeah. uh, he went a little more. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, from far he away. He looks like a zombie. Uh, from, well, the, from far away, I thought eye. about your, yeah. your scooped out eye man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you who are join us for Talk Mortem. Um, don't, don't remind me. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like, oh my God. And then you get closer and he does have an eye. Yeah. Or he does have uh, uh, whatever. But. Right. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. He has eyes. <laughs> That's what you're trying to say. I What I wanted to say uh-huh. was that shot of her in his hand really tells us everything oh, that yes. we yeah. need to know. From oh, the, yeah. the two seconds that we've seen him, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I know exactly what this is. Yeah. And it's honestly literally frightening oh yeah when you think of it like that i did because and that's the other thing that i and this is just my ignorance when it comes towards anime i was very impressed by the cinematography yeah (laughs) no no that's what i'm saying you can tell the love the work that put into it like they yes it wasn't just a no let's you know throw some shit together and whatever Uh we got to get this out no like they they did it you know what i mean they took their time and did what they needed to do and i know uh i said Khan did the storyboards but the cinematographer i think you'll both be very pleased to hear because i was very intrigued by his filmography it's a guy called hisayo shirai and he is not only the cinematographer for my neighbor totoro <gasps> all right but he's the cinematographer for the original ghost in the shell oh nice and over 500 episodes of pokemon Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I was like, All oh right. my god! I think he. I want to say he passed away in 2019. Oh. But he had a prolific career, and Damn. he worked with Khan a few more times. Nice. That's awesome. And Totoro is a perfect film. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> it's incredible. Is that a 10 out of 10? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but a dreamlike haze surrounds Mima in Uchida's eyes, but it's all shattered when an empty can is thrown onto the stage. Uchida takes notice of Tadashi and the hecklers and slowly slinks away as the crowd cheers at the end of the song. But Ray tells the crowd that it's been a fun concert, but they only have one <laughs> song left. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but in the crowd is they're like, what? The yeah. Understandably. Yeah. How much did you pay for the tickets? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> if a fanzine is 400 this yen. Was, <laughs> this is better than free. But Yukiko says that they also have news to share before they end the show. As Uchida approaches the troublemakers, Mima begins to speak. She says that she's had a fun time as a member of Cham, but her speech is interrupted as the troublemakers start beating the shit out of Uchida. 
Tadashi tells him that he shouldn't show off as he's only a part-timer. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, work 40 hours. They fucking yeah. talk to me. He's like, what are you talking about? You're a child. <laughs> Piece of shit. I loved it. And I, I understand that he's security or whatever, but he like walked over there like he was going to get in their ass. Oh, yeah. he did. For fucking disrupting. And then plot twist his yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all saw what happened. Yeah. Tadashi made short work of him. Yeah. <laughs> they were working the body. They're punching him in the face. I that's I was like, well, how come you're not? I get it, they're kids, whatever. But ca- there's four of them. You yeah. got an excuse to slap one of them. Well, but what we'll I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> there's four on one, dude. Yeah, yeah. you got to do something. And those, they're out for blood because they yeah, didn't even stop well, at him. No, they did not. <laughs> Because a member of the crowd shouts at Tadashi, who then picks a fight with him. He goes, what did you say, you fucker? <laughs> I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. What happened to the power drops? <laughs> but then people start throwing cans at him and his friends. Tadashi returns fire as the crowd chants for them to go home. Tadakoro and Rumi watch from the wings of the stage, annoyed that the troublemakers are back. Tadakoro rushing off, intent on canceling the rest of the show. There's only one song left. Yeah, what <laughs> the fuck? What else are you played one song. <laughs> <laughs> They're throwing cans at each other, and he's like, "Shut it down!" <laughs> <laughs> right, it's over in three minutes. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, dude. Maybe we pushed through. You know what I thought of actually? Maybe the Powertrons. Maybe it was like a long, like four-hour show. Maybe, and, it's and they just came off. To, to, okay. Yeah, put the chair yeah. on top. Yeah, but one <laughs> it's like three minutes look we saw the cutaways the crowd has been watching Chan the whole time <laughs> but the back and forth of the crowd grows louder and louder until Mima tells everyone to stop they all turn to her as she reclaims her time Mima tells them that all she wanted was just to have a good time with everyone today Tadashi takes offense at this saying that she has quite an attitude for a no-namer but as he pulls back to throw a can at her, he's stopped by Uchida, who breathes heavily with his face leaking blood. You're at my show. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Wait, which what one the of fuck us, is that shit? Which yeah. one of us is on a stage? Oh, it's not you? Yeah. Okay. Here. All right. And can Why we don't talk- you start working 40 hours? <laughs> and then you can Yeah, you're like- a no-timer or whatever. <laughs> my thing was, he they literally panned over to the crowd and like not even five, well, really like three because there was only one song. Yeah. Like three minutes ago, they were like, Mima, <laughs> yeah. Mima. And he's like, who's this fucking no-name? It's like, no-name, you were just chanting right. her name. <laughs> we're dancing, you dude. You fickle fuck. <laughs> But Tadashi and his asshole friends finally leave as Uchida turns to face the stage, smiling at Mima. Mima nervously tells the crowd that as of today, but she stops, overcome with emotion. Yukiko blurts out that as of today, Mima will be graduating from the group. I thought that was a really interesting way to say it. Well, she didn't really seem like she wanted to say it. Mima? Yeah. No, she she... didn't. I think it was a mix because she obviously, I mean... There are some ambitions to acting, even if she's being pushed into it. Yeah. But Cham is comfort. Yeah. That's what it's been. Yeah. Um, it's like that great Britney Spears song when she's like, I'm not a girl, but not yet a woman. You know what I mean? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> she's still in between. It's uh-huh. like, it feels Wasn't like. That, didn't she see that on a mountain or something in the video? <laughs> All she needs is time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> she's in between. All right. She's climbing mountains. Yeah. <laughs> We all think in different ways. Okay, okay, okay. The, the point is, it feels like this is career-wise or um, the way that society looks at her a step up. Right. Uh-huh. But it's like she's stuck in this in-between where, yeah, maybe she's outgrown 
Cham because she already is doing acting gigs. Yeah. But she's not quite there. Obviously, she's not really ready to say goodbye. Not really. Um, I did think it was a little fucked up that Yukiko shared her news, though. I mean, she was helping her friend. And I... Then yeah, she said see, graduate. That's what, that's what that's what I'm saying. Mima didn't seem like she like she was pushed into the acting, like you said. You know what I mean? Like she didn't really seem like she wanted to be like, ah, I don't want to leave this. And her friend's like, hey, she's, you know, trying like you said, help her. Yeah. She's graduating. Go do something else. I think it is like a combination of her wanting. I think she's probably more on Rumi's side of wanting to see if she can do both. Yeah, for sure. But okay. Tadakora's like fucking schedules. Dude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't be doing that shit. I did read in an article, though, because we said the word graduate. Apparently, that's what they call it when pop idols leave groups in Japan. Oh, all right. Because well, it feels like the way that all of this is framed, it's like, no, you're like, for lack of a better term, you're better than this now. Right. Like, you're the more successful step. than that. Yeah. Okay. You're moving on up. It's, yeah. it's the Jeffersons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but after Yukiko blurts out Mima's graduation, the crowd reacts in disbelief as if they haven't been reading the exactly yeah. like fucking pop idol dirt sheets all day. <laughs> Y'all are on the blog. Exactly. We like, already oh, know. and she's retiring today. Yeah. <laughs> like, at around uh, 3 p.m. Yeah. Like, but then she announces it. <gasps> oh my God. Bad <laughs> Mima? Bad, bad news after bad news. No, yeah. So we got one, one song. song. <laughs> then these guys start fighting. Yeah. And then now you're you leaving. Now you're this leaving. Dude. Now you're taking off. <laughs> Is it because they beat up the security? Yeah. <laughs> We're sorry. It's a horrible day. <laughs> Bring the Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> but Mima tells them that she's happy to have been a member of Cham for the past two and a half years, and she hopes they'll continue to support her as she does her best in her new career as an actress. She says this will be her last song and asks them to listen. A piano begins to play as the Mima fans remark that this decision makes sense from a financial standpoint, which I thought was a hilarious reaction from the fans <laughs> yeah. in the front row. They're like, no, her her agency stands to make a lot of money from this. <laughs> the smart business. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I mean, we're, we'll get over it. We'll, we'll miss you, Mima. Yeah, we'll, but do what's best for you. <laughs> But as Mima begins to sing Cherish These Memories, a sweet, somewhat melancholy piano ballad, Uchida watches on, clearly feeling some type of way about this announcement. Yeah, uh, we could already tell he wasn't going to take it well. Yeah. Uh, no. I was like, you had to sing a sad song for the last one? Yeah. Like, we can't go out on the one that we just sang? Yeah. <laughs> well, that wouldn't fit. Right. Yeah, so sure it would. Sing the other one again. No, no. I was crying. Exactly. <laughs> Three songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But as the song continues to play, we see Mima walking her bicycle down the street from the grocery store and arriving at her apartment. She unlocks the door, but as it opens, we match cut to Tadakoro opening a door after the concert, followed by Mima and Rumi, a crowd gathered and begging Mima not to leave the group. Among them is Uchida, who just stares at her. A fan hands Mima a card held closed by a heart sticker, and she thanks them before getting into the waiting car. But someone in the crowd yells... I'm always watching Mima's room, which causes her to stop. But as she turns around to look at the crowd, it match cuts to her standing at the door of her apartment. I'm already scared. Yeah. So I didn't catch this the first time I watched it. Uh -huh. The second time I did. And I was like, who the fuck said that? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that's how we're, 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 we're not getting in the right? sky. Oh, oh, hold on, man, hold on. Yeah, get the fuck that? out of yeah, my way. Yeah. Who? What is Mima's room? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of shit yeah. is that? My room? <laughs> yeah, we like, would that's have. That's me. There'd be a lot of questions. Yeah. But she just kind of stops. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah. 
But she surveys the city and the passing train before closing herself inside, locking it with a sigh of relief. She puts her groceries away, runs herself a bath, and puts the fan letters on a table. Mima then looks at a small fish tank filled with even smaller fish, apologizing to them for not feeding them yesterday. These are the Fisher Neon Tetras. I don't know if you remember we had these as a kid. Yeah, I do. We had these as kids. We weren't one child. (laughs) (laughs) Although that could play into this film. (laughs) But she then collapses face down onto her bed. And in a wide shot, we see how small her apartment really is. Yeah, I was very surprised. Yeah, the way she's moving around, it seemed like there was a lot more space. It's so cute, though, and neat. Like It it looks so nice. Currently? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, looks. (laughs) Yeah, looks. uh, (laughs) A cham poster hangs over her bed, and we see that she's surrounded by heart pillows and stuffed animals, possibly more fan mail. But the television plays in the background, discussing a recent earthquake that has left at least 200 dead. As the broadcast continues, Mima stares up at her cham poster, her face at the center, before standing up to take it off her wall. She symbolically thanks them for all the hard work over the years before tossing it into a shopping bag, saying goodbye to Mima, the pop idol. I was like, you don't have to throw it away. That kind of made me sad. Well, it's in a shopping bag. It was in the trash. I know, but Yeah, but it was everything. I was like, damn, you don't want to keep one thing. They were your friends. They're still our kind. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I did want to say is that, I don't know, again, about the commentary being incidental, but every single time the news is on, it's always bad news. Yeah. Yeah. There's not one time that they're like, and a kitten was saved. It's yeah. like earthquakes and fucking murder. Yeah. Just like real life, you know? Yeah, I know. Seriously, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a little too real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Mima then begins reading some of her fan mail, opening the envelopes from her table. One asks her to sing for them forever, which she admits to herself that she can't do. She then turns her attention to the envelope with the heart-shaped sticker on it. It says... I always like looking into Mima's room. I've put up a link to Mima's room. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) If there was ever... The only (laughs) true reaction. Yeah, seriously. I would be so fucking scared. She is confused. Yeah. And she takes it literally. And she looks out her window, but is interrupted when the phone rings. I'm like, the phone can wait. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But she does answer it. And it's her mother, played by Aya Hara. She's super excited to hear from her, but her mother isn't taking the news of her switching careers very well. She reminds her of her childhood dreams and how her family is always looking forward to the next Cham single, but Mima tells her that she just doesn't understand the industry and that being a pop idol was suffocating. It's like, Mom, give me a break. She's trying her best. She's like, you know that he buys 20 albums. It's like, stop. He can still buy them. I'm just not going to be on them. But she's about to go on further, but gets a call on the other line and clicks over. When she answers, though, all she hears is heavy breathing on the other end. So it's the Zodiac. (laughs) (laughs) Ted Cruz, if you don't stop playing on the (laughs) iPhone. Allegedly, allegedly. (laughs) But she switches back to her mother, saying that it was just a wrong number. But she gets off the phone, realizing that her bath is ready. First of all, an alarm goes off for the bath? Yes. What a useful fucking... Yeah. I was like, I, that's genius. Yeah. yeah. I know we were talking about the breathing, but let's talk about that alarm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to know when my water is the temperature I want it. Yes. Or let's the, go. Or the or, yeah, when it's, yeah. 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 It's like, time to get in. Bat. Trying to be, you know, covered by this yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> water, I think they call it. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> 
but she heads to the bathroom to shut off the faucet, but hears the phone ringing again in the other room. Thinking it's her mother, she heads back, but sees that it was just the fax machine. A page begins to print, and to Mima's surprise, it's just one word repeated over and over. Traitor. This is unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're taking Mima's room at face value, which she did because she looked outside. Yeah. Somebody said that when you're leaving your performance. Somebody wrote it in a a very short note. They said Mima's room twice. Twice. (laughs) Somebody's calling on the other line and heavy breathing. Now you're getting this fax. Uh This is beyond. This is call the police already for me no absolutely and it was the joy at which they said it when they handed her the letter they're like i'm always oh, watching me yeah. <laughs> everybody knows what that is it's like what the, the fuck? fuck but the camera pulls back out of mima's window through the surrounding buildings as mima asks who are you i think stuff like this is why i always hated the word fan mm-hmm. because like it's i mean i don't know if you've fallen down the rabbit hole of stan twitter ever Ew. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's honestly scary as fuck, personally, to me. Right. I think I think the reason it's so scary is because the song Stan, yeah. that yeah. was not a it's good like, thing. Y- y'all or know. Swim Fan. That, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you guys remember that you know picture? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Yes. But like it's it's frightening. Yeah. And, like this is the this is where it leads to. Right. And it's again talking about this thing of Mima being the idol. Yeah. It's like, what does that mean to you? Right. Well, it makes me think, do you remember Bjork's stalker? Yes. And that was the whole thing that had set him off was he imagined her in one way yeah and then she got in a relationship and he's like but no like you're pure and you're for me and blah 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 and that you know did it yeah it's it's very um it reminds me of that i'll just say that but the next morning mima repeats the words seated behind the set of the television show double bind and we realize that who are you is a line for her upcoming scene she hands rumi the letter asking if she knows what it means rumi just yawns saying that it's a website The crew moves around both of them hard at work, and Mima remarks that the internet is very popular these days, but asks what a homepage is exactly. I loved this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know that that it dates the film, but I really loved hearing her explain well. In a little bit, she's like, HTTP. I loved every bit of it. But you think about it in 97, you're like, fuck, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But Rumi thinks for a moment, describing it as a computer network where people communicate, and she can only assume the Mima's room spoken of in the letter is the title of the website. She's like, you don't get it, do you? And Mima says, not one bit. (laughs) (laughs) That killed me. (laughs) But the director counts down on the take as Eddie Ochiai, played by Imi Shinohara, and Sakuragi, played by Hideyuki Hori, get into character. After the director calls action, the camera tracks them down a hall as Sakuragi, as a detective, tells Eri, as a psychologist, that the younger sister of the murder victim is here and asks Eddie if she'd like to talk to her. Eddie says that she would, but asks why the killer peels off the skin of their victims. Sakuragi assumes that the killer gets sexual satisfaction from doing so, but Eddie posits that the killer might want to be them. Ooh, ooh, sounds the lens. Yeah, yeah. We've all seen this. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 122, I believe. <laughs> but the director calls cut as Mima looks on, amazed at Eddie's acting, saying she becomes a different person when the camera is rolling, which again is this idea of personas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It keeps being hinted at. Yeah. 
But the director then calls Mima to the set, and we learn that she's playing the sister of the victim. She gives Rumi her jacket and rushes to the set, admitting that she's nervous. Rumi looks over the script, seemingly confused, remarking to herself that there's no reason for Mima to be nervous because she only has one line. This is what I'm like, okay, I know that Tadakoro had said scheduling conflicts Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, I had to leave my established career for a gig with one line. Yeah. It's a start. (laughs) It's this is enough for me. I should have been able to do both. Like that is I would be very upset. Well, but it's built it's a building block. I would be very upset. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But Tadakoro arrives on set asking Rumi how Mima's doing so far. We watch through the monitors as Mima rehearses her one line. Who are you? Who are you? She stares into the lights, then at Eddie and Sakuragi, sharing a laugh with the director. Appearing a bit self-conscious, she peers at the rest of the crew, their voices and laughter growing louder as she feels more and more out of place. In the shadows between set walls, we see Uchida standing there. It's very sly, but yeah. I'm like, I fucking, I saw you. Yeah. DiCaprio. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> The point, not the yes. yeah. <laughs> not the dating 20-year-old. Yeah. I have to get my memes correct. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an adult. No, 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 they're no, they're no, adults, no. too. They can do whatever they want. I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> they're consenting adults. What was I? We're on the set of Double Bind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but just then, Tajima, a producer played by Yasuke Akimoto, and Shiboya, the show's writer played by Yoku Shioya, walk onto the set. They chat with Eddie, who jokes with Shibuya that his lines are so difficult that she doesn't want to do them anymore, but then she seriously tells him how great the story is. Tajima hands Eddie a stack of fan letters that were sent to the station, but takes one off the top, realizing that it isn't for her. He tells them to all keep up the good work, Shibuya refusing to tell Eddie who the killer is when asked before they walk away together. As they walk away... Tajima tells a nervous Shibuya that he's going to have to figure out something soon about the criminal, and Shibuya looks very nervous. This made me laugh out loud because when Eddie asks him, you know, oh, you got to tell me what happens or whatever, and he's like, ah, I can't tell you because it'll spoil the fun, and also I do not know. (laughs) Like, he walks off and it's like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I feel like that's how most TV shows are written nowadays. It's just like, ha ha (laughs) You're building to this thing, and it's like, oh my god. (laughs) What have I done? But Tadakoro and Rumi catch up with them, Tajima saying that Mima has gotten some good reviews so far for her work. Tadakoro shills for his client in an attempt to get her more lines, but Shibuya is hesitant, admitting that pop idols are a little difficult to use. He's like, well, get a load of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He's like, I got some good news. She's not a pop idol anymore. Right. He says that she's quit that life and she's devoting herself completely to acting now. But Rumi stares on as Tadakoro says that Mima is also looking for a drastic image change. The director is about to call action on the scene, but before he does, Tajima hands Tadakoro the pink envelope from the top of the stack, telling him that it's for Mima. But on the set, Mima repeats her lines as the director counts down from five. Along with this countdown, we see Tadakoro opening the envelope. Just as Mima is about to say her line, we hear a loud bang. Tadakoro falls to the ground, Mima rushing to check on him. He looks at his hands, which are covered in blood, but he tells everyone that he's all right, but then appears to lose consciousness. 
I was fucking shook. <laughs> yes. I could not have been expecting something less. Yeah. No. But also, why the fuck are you opening my mail? Well, he's her agent, I guess. No. He's, it's like a test taster. Like no. <laughs> Quality control. Exactly. And I don't think aren't so. You, aren't you glad? <laughs> <laughs> but Tajima and Shibuya look on confused, surmising that the letter exploded. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate he's bleeding. It. It's like, this, yeah, I, <laughs> this is why he's writing the detective yeah. film. <laughs> But as the crew scrambles to call an ambulance, a piece of the letter falls to the floor, Tadakoro's blood soaking into it. The scrap reads, dot, 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 is a warning. The next one will be real. I was like, now a warning? Yeah. (laughs) A. Yeah. And B, not to spoil anything going forward, but this is not taken with the seriousness (laughs) that it should. Especially with this accompanying note being like, yeah, I know this is just a little... Just a little jokey boom, yeah. but like next time, jokey boom. <laughs> it's like, no, why are we not? Call everyone. Yeah, they kind of act, you know what I mean, a little later, like it was nothing. And it's like, dude, are you kidding? That dude, like his hand looked like- It was I, covered. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I almost expected him to not have a hand. I thought he was going to die. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, even, <laughs> even Tadakoro was like, I'm fine yeah. Yeah. before he passes out. It's super cool. Like, yeah. don't worry about it. I The way that they reacted is almost like he passed out from shock. Yeah. <laughs> because it was like a paint bomb or something. Yeah. Yes. But no, that, because later he is bandaged. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. It's he was real. Bleeding. It is very real. But later that night, Rumi sets up a brand new computer in Mima's apartment. It is very clear product placement. Oh, yeah. They had the <laughs> box and it's like Macintosh yeah. Performa. I was like, all right. So that means Mima's not the bad guy, right? If it's yeah. Apple. Right. <laughs> but she signs up for the online, as the waitress would say. <laughs> it's just online. It's just online. But Mima asks her what she thinks about the letter bomb. As it turns out, Tadakoro said not to call the police. Why? Well, they said it was like a prank, or it was like it's yeah. not a prank. They, that, yeah. it, what the fuck are well, you so, talking about? I, I mean, I leading. <laughs> that's enough. Like, what are you? As single-minded as they seem to be, maybe he's like, "Well, if the police come, they're going to shut down production for a few days or whatever." I just feel like, and even Mima, right? That was addressed to you, yeah. And she's just like, "Man, like that was some." That, remember today? That was crazy. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, so the online. I, yeah, right. You almost done with that. No. Yeah. Back to the computer. <laughs> I just don't. It's it's wow. But Rumi says that they can't do anything about what happened, even though Mima says that it was a crime and it could have been her. Rumi tries to calm her down, telling her it was just a prank and that Tadakoro wasn't badly hurt. Badly. Yeah. <laughs> he but was he hurt. Yeah, but he was hurt. <laughs> I, He's lost most use of it yeah. again. But. Once again, if I can direct everyone's attention to that note that says this one's a warning. Yeah. yeah What's the, the hell next? of a warning. Yeah. 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 But she tells Mima not to worry and teaches her the basics of using a computer and accessing the internet. Mima, not understanding, is like, can you please explain it in Japanese? Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was great. (laughs) But the camera pulls back from Mima's window as Rumi explains it all again from the top. Later on, while alone in her apartment, Mima accesses the Mima's Room website, proud of herself that she was able to do it. She clicks a link on the site that's titled Mima's Diary and begins to read it. The first entry tells of a bad day, Mima screwing up the choreography and forgetting the lyrics to the song that they were singing. It says that when she got off the train that morning, she put her left foot first, and that's when the trouble started. She usually makes an effort to go right foot first off the train, and also into the bath. 
what the hell yeah <laughs> i am like and she's not bothered no no she laughs she's like that's so me yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck can't yeah. you read call the police <laughs> the bath like the bath yeah yes. the, the train is enough yeah because it's like someone's watching you at the train the train yeah, is yeah. more than enough but she's no, like that's me but yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so me <Mima. laughs> But the bath, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, no. Because like you said, anybody can see you outside. True. We're now, uh, now I'm in the privacy of my own home. Yeah. You know how I get in the fucking bath? Yeah. Which also, I mean, when you think about it, is kind of a bit of a clue. Yeah. Because like, who's that intimate? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's really funny because there's something even bigger later on uh-huh. that the first time I was watching this, I was like, oh, my God. And then the second time I was like, oh, you fool. Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. That's the thing I did want to talk about because the movie does reach a point where I can see where it could be very confusing. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is there are these tiny little clues. Yeah. But then there's also sometimes where there's not. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> but we'll get there, as you said. And again, as you said, Mima just laughs it off, saying that this person definitely knows her. (laughs) (laughs) That's so Mima. That's so Mima. (laughs) But she reads another entry from her 21st birthday, which includes a picture of her, Ray, and Yukiko at a staff party in her honor. It also has other photos of her on stage and one with her waving to fans from the back of a car. But the entry also details Mima going to the grocery store, even listing what she bought item by item as we see the previous grocery scene play out again well and it's shit that we saw her buy yeah, yeah the fish food yes yeah. the milk the, the cow brand milk the fancy milk yeah <laughs> cow's best yeah <laughs> <laughs> but another is that eggland's best is that what you're trying yeah. to yeah. <laughs> not a sponsor i tried not yet yet <laughs> But another entry details how impressed Mima was with Eddie Ochiai's performance on the set of Double Bind, repeating exactly what she said earlier about Eddie being a different person when the cameras are rolling. That's it. Yeah. I was like, oh, what are you? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because again, like, you're not even thinking about it. Because, I mean, of all the people, when they did those zoomed, like, blurred, out-of-focus shots, Mm -hmm. saw a lot of fucking people on set. Yeah, there's a whole crew. And you see Uchida in the background. Yes, yeah. So you're kind of, you know... Yeah, yeah. You're flowing with it. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll figure it out. The thing is, though, after she realized that there were a very limited number of people who could have heard her say this, Uh suddenly it's not so funny anymore. Yeah. No. As if it was ever funny to begin with. No, but I mean... Not to explain it away, because I would be horrified just at the train Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, But if she's like, oh, somebody, like a fan noticed me or whatever, and they're just speculating that that's also how I get in the tub, LOL, that's funny. These are literal words that you said out loud today. Like, it's not, it was never funny, but it's definitely not funny anymore. No, and the entire mood changes, because before it was. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. to her. Yeah, well, (laughs) everyone watching, it's like, get out of the house! (laughs) 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 but mima looks closer at the page noticing that the icons for each entry are shaped exactly like the fish in her fish tank (sighs) clicking one we hear a recording of her line from double bind who are you repeated over and over again we see mima repeating the line in character on the set of double bind eddie answering as the psychiatrist on the show Before she can begin her questioning, a man rushes up to Sakuragi's character, telling him that there's been another murder. We then cut to a fashion show, models walking the runway, cameras flashing until we hear a woman scream. We're taken to a crime scene in the dressing room, a partially nude woman covered in blood as the crime scene photographer snaps a few shots, 
On a television screen, Sakuragi's character remarks that this is the fifth victim. The tape rewinds, and we're back in Tadakoro's office, Rumi complaining that Mima was only in three shots of the show, and asking if it was really worth leaving Cham for this. Tadakoro puts his face in his bandaged hand, saying a role like this is where Mima can prove whether or not she can be seen as a real actress. This was annoying to me for the same reasons it was annoying to me earlier. It feels like y'all are fucking with her career without really mm-hmm. having anything in place for her. Not particularly. Yeah. Um, but if I can go back really quickly to the fashion show, that transition was fantastic oh, with yeah. the cameras. And I thought I have in my notes, oh, I thought that was actually happening. Yes. And this is a recurring theme for me. At, yeah. I'll speak for myself <laughs> where I'm like, oh my God. Oh, okay. It's, okay. Never mind, never mind. it's fine. Everything's fine. It's double bind. <laughs> but, yeah. it's just double bind. <laughs> but it just really annoyed me that it's like, she's barely even in this. You, she just gave up her whole career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, I, I do want to speak to your point. There is a recurring theme of that reality, non-reality. Yes. Which is and very, it, it gets yeah. even more muddled. Yeah. And it's very interesting to see the overlap between her life and things of double bind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say again, as I said earlier, you got to start somewhere. I'm, she was the third member of a, a J-pop group. And right. she was the first. She was, well, yeah. <laughs> she, did, she was in the middle. Right. She was in the middle. <laughs> all the posters. And, uh, and everybody loved her. They, yes. Yeah. Well, except until they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I mean she's got to start somewhere. I get it, but I feel like it's like let her do both for a little bit. I know I've already said this, but yeah. let her do both for a little bit instead of leaving everything behind and everybody being like Mima's gonna be an actress, and then watching it's like oh she said one thing. Like I mean have her set up to well, do you what know, did she say? Graduate to, yeah, to but you know. Do you know what a character arc is, man? No, like <laughs> sometimes you get introduced on the show. Right, I'm yeah. watching Breaking Bad, and Lydia had like one line in her first episode. Yeah, well, you know, we all yeah. love Lydia, <laughs> but Lydia if, did not give up a, a yeah, I was gonna robust. Say, yeah, she wasn't part of she was in a Scottish. Yeah. Show. <laughs> Lydia wasn't in Champ. Uh, well, I'll have to check her Wikipedia. Right. But Rumi disagrees completely, saying that they should be selling Mima as a pop idol instead. Tadakoro tells Rumi that times are different from when Rumi was a pop idol. Nowadays, it's difficult for them to appeal to the masses. Interesting. Very. Mm-hmm. I and was like, is, you're just dropping that? This yeah. is like the only mention, right? Yeah. Of this. You got to pay attention, man. Yeah. Keep up. Yeah. <laughs> But Tadakoro says that the venture will decide whether or not Mima will last in the public eye. Rumi says, almost sarcastically, will excuse me for not lasting. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it was harsh. No, it was. And it makes you think. It's like, wow. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, so Tadakoro was her agent. Mm-hmm. She, you know, the career fizzled didn't, out. It didn't work out. And then yeah. he gave her a job as a manager. Right. And so it's like, man, you know, the depth of, again, depth of character. Right. And, and revealed in just a couple lines. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, Rumi has this motherly energy mm. over Mima. Mima yeah. yeah. And it, like, this is kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I've walked in your shoes. Uh-huh. I know. Like, I it, it just adds a lot of subtext right. to every interaction that they've had and every interaction that they will have. And it lends more credence, I guess, to her authority over the situation. Yeah. Right. Because Tadakoro is just like, he's just an agent. He just wants about the money. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Fuck. Clearly. But her, it's like, oh, she's like, not only like you said, I've been in your shoes, yeah, but yeah. I know the pressure. Yeah. And she's just trying to, again, like you said, be motherly. Yeah. yeah. But we'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, 
But to her sarcastic line, Tadakoro's like, I'm not talking about you, calm down, and says that there's no better option for Mima right now than to continue on this path. Rumi laments that Mima came to Tokyo to sing, but Tadakoro tells her to focus on the bright side. They make next to nothing on record sales, so this could prove profitable. Although he does wish that they would use Mima a bit more on the show. So he sees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if he's well, like, because people money. are yelling at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do I get All people right. to stop? <laughs> okay, more than one line. I get it. <laughs> but just then, and he was vouching for Mima at the thing. He was. So I mean, he's he's trying. Yeah, he's fighting for his client. Uh, you know. <laughs> Like a single better female lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> or a single female lawyer. Well, Better Call Saul is probably a better <laughs> reference than a very, very niche Futurama reference. <laughs> <laughs> but just then, Cham's new manager walks in with Ray and Yukiko, sarcastically apologizing for not being profitable. Tadakoro asks how things are going, and the manager drops a magazine of the charts onto the table. Elsewhere, we see a billboard for Double Bind as a train speeds by, but are then taken to a bookstore where the three Mima fans from earlier walk in. They complain about how boring Double Bind is and that... <laughs> like, this show fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> but it kind of goes to what you're saying because one person goes, Mima wasn't even in it. Exactly. Yeah. And the other guy goes, she had three scenes. Yeah. It's- well, the, the thing is, is like, if you're wanting to... If she already has this fan base you're going to bring that to double bind. Yeah. So like display her. That's why like people put TikTok stars and shit. You know what I mean? They you're shouldn't. Gonna, they, yeah. they do. <laughs> you're going to get their audience. So you need to utilize them. Right. I'm not trying to tell Tadakoro how to do his job. Yeah. But I'm telling him how to do his job. Oh, well, hey, <laughs> how many uh, pop idols have you managed? Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that off mic. <laughs> God damn, I got to check your Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> But they loudly cry out to the universe for someone to please save Mima. In a nearby aisle, Uchida stands there holding a book. He lowers it to reveal a crooked smile. The smile's like, you got it, boss. (laughs) (laughs) Say less. But on the train, Mima observes a sign advertising that anyone can make their own homepage on the internet. Makes it sound very cool. Makes it sound cool and also makes it sound horrifying. Because anybody could have made that. Anyone. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah. But as slow piano plays, the train slows to a stop. Now, this might be a little bit out there, but this slow piano reminded me a lot of the opening piano from the video game Layers of Fear. Oh. And the main theme reminds me of Layers of Fear even more. All right. If you recall. Yes. Um, I would love to know if this was an influence on the composer. Uh Because to me, I was like, there's definite overlap. Well, I mean... Well, I'm going to say yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but Mima, remembering the words from the online diary, thinks twice before stepping onto the platform with her left foot. As she stops herself, she's bumped off the train by other commuters. She then runs through the subway and out into the street, catching her breath. She stares into the sky as clouds slowly pass by, covering the blue of the sky, hmm. if you will before catching her reflection in several television screens of a nearby appliance store. I thought this was a really cool shot. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, she's kind of not... She's exposed. Right, right. She's on display. You know, she doesn't know who's watching her and writing this. And so that shot kind of shows her inner turmoil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Mima breezes past a group of photographers on her way into the building, and they tell her to break a leg on the show. 
When she doesn't answer, they wonder aloud if all pop idols get this unfriendly when they become actresses. It's like she just, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, she's going to work. I'm not unfriendly. I'm terrified. Yeah, yeah. there's like, a difference. You didn't the, see the fear on my face? Uh, literally. You're how, a photographer? How tra- <laughs> fucking traumatizing and violating it would feel yeah to be like i can't even fucking ride the train like no. that yeah but they don't know that well yeah but they're just like, I'd be like oh, i'm right, scared yeah, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry but photographers like in like the paparazzi sense yeah like mima mima break a light yeah, no. like no yeah they're Fuck like, off. Right. i'm going inside she's just startled by us keep yeah, taking a picture exactly yeah. they're like no man she's rude now yeah. like no <laughs> mima what the fuck yeah god we used to be friends but <laughs> another person lingers by the door Although we don't see their face. I mean, we have a good idea. (laughs) I was like, we don't really need to. This dude is very singular. (laughs) (laughs) But Mima steps onto the elevator and stops when she sees a newspaper clipping taped to the wall. It tells of a hit and run which left one victim in serious condition. Tadashi Doi the heckler from Mima's final concert. The fact, I'm sorry, it's not funny. (laughs) You were stifling a smile. (laughs) (laughs) Is it because he was throwing the cans? The fact- <laughs> okay, yeah, that. Yeah, fuck that guy. The fact that, um, you know, I'm not saying Uchida did this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not saying he didn't. <laughs> um, it's just funny to me. He got so upset. He went over there to to tell them about themselves or whoop their ass or whatever. Ends up getting his ass whooped. <laughs> yeah. And then um, may or may not have done this. And displays it in the elevator uh-huh. that Mima has to take to go to work. Well, yeah. whoever's done this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you, it, it was funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it, 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 it's giving, it's all for you, Damien, energy. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, nah, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about it, like uh, bullies hit and run. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it made sense in my head in the second it was about to leave my lips my brain was like oh no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> cut that cut that cut that cut that um <laughs> but as tense music builds mima turns back to see the lingering man standing between the photographers it is uchida a smile creeping across his face as the elevator doors close again what uchida yeah i never really yeah. guessed what? <laughs> But the way he's standing there and he's the thing is, is that there's so many again, this movie's all about perception mm. because he could have literally had nothing to do with that. Yeah. yeah. He's just following her around because he's like a creepy fan. Yeah. And just knows where she is or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, the well, smile could just be it's Mima. Yeah. yeah. But in reality, when you're looking at all these things put together, you're like, holy shit. Well, because it, it's really giving like, man, see what I yeah. see what I did for you. Like, that's, valuable. yeah, that's what it to me demonstrate value (laughs) (laughs) step one that's step one but mima makes her way to tadakoro's office greeting rumi with a smile on her way in she stops to talk to her when she sees rei and yukiko toasting glasses in tadakoro's office rumi fills her in cham's new single has reached 83rd in the top 100 mima is excited for them stating that they never even charted when she was a member now Cham is charting? Yeah. You fucked me. Well, yeah. You fucked well, me. Well, hold Unless on, I was though. holding them back. Yeah. <laughs> that's a distinct I mean, possibility. Well, in all fairness, I mean, it could be that they're like, it's, she's like the Beyonce or whatever. But I mean, maybe if Kelly and Michelle put out a record again, <laughs> they never did. They never did. But they were already charting as Destiny's Shot. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to say Mima was clearly the most valuable member. And so it's very weird yeah. to right. see their success yeah. after she leaves. Because they nobody in the crowd was chanting for Ray or Yukiko. They weren't even saying champ. <laughs> <laughs> it was all about Mima. So I mean it's just kind of strange. Maybe they got a different manager. 
they maybe did. Them, well, then that's probably the problem. It wasn't her or Cham. It was their management. But I mean, see, and it's difficult because you see that Rumi is involved with Cham later on as well. Yeah. yeah. But then who's this new guy? That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Maybe it wasn't them at all. Maybe it was it was the management problem. I'd be even angrier. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, fuck. Now they're blowing up. And uh-huh. you took me off to do a show that nobody likes. I said, I've heard it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From three fans. Yeah. Like, there could be a huge double bind yeah. audience. <laughs> double bind looks great. It I would does watch it. I would that. absolutely watch it. But Mima thinks back to the early days and remembers when the members of Cham celebrated their first singles release. Mima worries that no one will be in the audience when they perform, but Yukiko tells her that there will be people putting a reassuring hand on her shoulder. But we snap back to the present day, and that hand belongs to Rumi, who gives Mima her new script for Double Bind. She tells Mima that this script has a few more lines for her, but as Mima flips through it, she overhears Tadakoro telling Rei and Yukiko that Cham is totally fine being a duo. Listen, <laughs> y'all knew I was coming. Yeah. Like you can done this see me time. through the thing like it's really fucked up he's like listen we don't need that bitch yeah you don't need her at all and she stinks like it's just <laughs> we're better off without her we're better off in this room <laughs> but on the set of the show Mima walks down the street in character stopped by a man who asks if she has any interest in becoming a model Mima's character ponders the question a model? the director calls cut and they watch the take on the monitor this was another moment where I was like, oh, my God, leave her alone. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This isn't that show. Again, well, she's, like, she's getting work. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? And we see that the arc is building. Yeah. It is. They wouldn't ask an extra that. No, but I, I thought they were doing this to Mima. So did I. Yeah. yeah. She's so, like, I'm already a pop idol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have representation. Thank you. No, thanks. <laughs> but as Mima and Rumi walk away to prepare for the next scene, we see a crowd has gathered around the set. Uchida is among them, recording it all on a camcorder. So he's like everywhere you want to be. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was. He's a. He's a. He's odd looking. Fair. I know. I've stated that before. Yes, you did. He's sta- uh, he sticks out in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. He's there. How do you not notice that guy? You're not supposed to be here. No, and he's very tall. And he's got a fucking handheld camcorder. Yeah. So, that's not so for the that movie. Can't be good. Yeah, that's not well, for the was- movie. <laughs> He is he security for the venue or is he security for like the production? Still though, if he's security, why the fuck are you holding a, a camera? Uh, why are you not at the f- the fence keeping people from getting in or taking pictures? Security, he's preoccupied. You're yeah, taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> security has hobbies as well. I guess oh, he's like, do as I say. Yeah. <laughs> right, you got a good shot. You got a good angle. Let me see your camera. Yeah. Yeah. Switch me. He's like, I've, been here, I've, been, I've been here for a long time. Don't yeah. do what I do. Yeah, do not do that. Um, my thing is, I think he was just security for the venue. Mm, yeah, so that's. Because you have no reason yeah. to be here yeah. at all. Okay, Other, I mean, that just makes it worse. And yeah, awesome. He, no, wait, because we did bring this up earlier. He is a part timer. And so right. he does. Oh, yeah. He has a lot of free time <laughs> yeah, <guess>. to stalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but elsewhere on the set, Tajima calls Shibuya at his office, commending his writing on next week's script. But Shibuya says that he has an even more drastic idea that he's been kicking around. Only thing is, he doesn't know if Mima will be up for it, or rather, her agency. He also smiles a kind of creepy... Yeah. 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 I, I didn't like that at all. Mm-mm. Cut to Mima reading next week's script in Tadakoro's office. Tadakoro explains to Rumi that Mima's character will change personalities after being assaulted by customers at a strip show. 
Rumi is adamantly against this idea, but Tadakoro explains that Mima's character is going to play a very crucial role in the second part of the series. But Rumi doesn't care. Mima's a pop idol. She tells Mima not to worry, that they'll talk to the producer to get it changed, but Tadakoro says that this will only make things worse if they cause trouble. The wheels are already in motion. Okay, Mima was yeah. a pop idol. Yeah. Your little uh, caught yeah, up on that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This made me sad because she's really trying to protect her. And I know that they had talked about drastically changing her image, but goddamn, this is, yeah. yeah. I would say, more than drastic. The thing that bothered me here was the same thing that bothered me at the beginning when they were like debating should she be a pop idol? Should she right, be an right. actress? Da 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 da. Mima's just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Rumi's like, no. And, and I mean, it's just this push and pull and this back and forth. And nobody's like, Mima, are you okay with this? Yeah. Like, do you want to do this? That that was my thing. I know she is concerned. Yeah. But yeah, nobody's asking her. Yeah, not yet. It was like, what do you want to do? It's kind of... Imp- and the thing is that makes it... There's two things that make it very upsetting to me is that number one, she is trying very, very hard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you see her on the set when she was like, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. Trying to get yeah. the line. And also, her mother straight up said, what are you talking about? Yeah. You always wanted to be a singer. Yeah. And she's like, you don't understand the business, mom. And it's like, the business? But is yeah. it the business or is it what you want, yeah. Want, yeah. You know, want to do at all? Yeah. And I feel like that's that really gets lost mm-hmm. like from the beginning. What does she actually want to do? Yeah. Because every time she justifies wanting to act, it's like, oh, well, it's the best thing for my career. Or yeah. it's the next step. It's or, not because I want to be it, yeah. right, right. an actress. And also this, uh, again, it really upset me because it really speaks to what you hear a lot about the industry for women. Yeah. Because he straight up says, you know, that would just cause more trouble. And it's like, it's, it's simply do you want to do this scene Mima and it's a yes or no in mm-hmm. reality but the difficulty is the second that she's like no they're like oh Mima's difficult you, yeah she's yeah. difficult she causes trouble yeah. She's, yeah it's like but no yeah but you know? she's not yeah. she's not <laughs> yeah. it was outside of her comfort zone yeah. yeah and so she should have the right to say no she oh, should yeah. yeah but here we are you know and sh- has shit gotten better yeah the an- no yeah, the yeah no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it does not but Rumi says that it's their job to protect the celebrities in their agency and that there's no way Mima can do something like this. But Mima says that it's all right. She'll do it. She's decided that she wants to fully become an actress. Tadakoro is overjoyed, but Rumi is not happy. But Tadakoro says that it's the right call. It's what actresses do. Jodie What's-Her-Face did a scene like this, too. They're talking about Jodie Foster. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jodie What's-Her-Face. Yeah, yeah it's like, she's <laughs> earned a last name. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking about a film called The Accused, mm-hmm. I believe. I have never seen it, but from what I know of it, it is a lot. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it's it's kind of similar to this in its depiction, and it's, yeah. uh, oh. I would imagine, a very difficult I, watch. I do like this, where she's sitting there, and you see their reflections in the mirror behind her, or yeah, like yeah. in the glass behind her, kind of like the angel and devil kind yeah. of trying to pull her and yeah. tell her. And uh, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Like that's fucking it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, I think that there's a lot of imagery in this entire film that really calls for repeated viewings. Yeah, because it stands out the more that you, especially when we learn more about. Yeah, oh yeah. Everyone, it's it's very masterfully crafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Rumi tells Mima to think it through and to think of the consequences of doing a scene like this. Mima reminds Rumi that it's only acting. It's not like this is really going to be happening to her though she admits that her parents will flip when they see it. She laughs very nervously, but says that she'll give it her best shot. Rumi just stands there looking disappointed, though. 
But later on the train, Mima stands with her head against the window. Suddenly, her reflection changes to that of her and her pop idol outfit. It turns to Mima, telling her that she refuses to do the scene. Mima jumps back from the window, seeing that her reflection is now returned to normal. So I'm like, the symbolism here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, and that's all I took it as was symbolism. Right. Um, that part of her that still, that was her dream. If she came yeah, here yeah. to sing, and I know that Chan wasn't charting or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's what she wanted to do. Yeah. And so that part of her is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this yeah. isn't what, this wasn't part of the plan. Mm-hmm. No. And the thing is to me is that, again, as you said, at this point, it's nothing more than, I guess, like that. That piece of her. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. A manifestation of her own, like, uh, regret mm-hmm. or yeah. guilt so far. Uh, we will talk. <laughs> <laughs> You've said so far a lot. Yeah, I have. <laughs> we'll get to a lot of things. Although again, and we'll also get to this in a bit, but this also reminded me of a sequence in Black Swan. Yeah. Which again, we'll talk about shortly. Yeah. But we then cut to the filming of the scene itself. In the control room in front of a set of monitors, Tajima asks the director what he thinks of the club set. The director says that he likes it, even though he'd prefer to be filming in a real club, but no club would allow them to shoot this scene at their place. This made me very nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, well, cause why? what is going to happen? Yeah there's, yeah, a, yeah, there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah, that was my, when I heard that, that was my note. What the fuck are you filming? Yeah. yeah. What is it that that they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Not here. Oh, it's a movie. You're doing what? Still no. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? like how bad? Yeah, how, wh- you know? what's going to happen? It made me think of, I mean, we talked about on The Lost Boys when no church would let them film a really innocent scene. Yeah, yeah. And so you're hoping it's like, well, you know, maybe it's just the subject matter, period. Right, right. It's no, not. No. Yeah, no, it's no. not. But Rumi sits distraught as Tadakoro chats on the phone, handling business and setting up meetings. Tense music pulses in the background. On the monitor, we see Shibuya going over the script with Mima, who sits on the stage in a seductive outfit. And we'll talk about that outfit more in a bit because Khan said something very interesting in a lecture series. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh. Hmm. We'll talk. Like, we keep having to push on. <laughs> oh, you have to. <laughs> But Mima appears very nervous as we pan across the crew, and behind them all, we see the silhouette of someone who appears to be Uchida. I see you back there. Yeah. yeah um, no. This is a closed set. <laughs> first <Yeah>. of all, <laughs> secondly, it kind of bothered me. Like, I feel like this would be so stressful and potentially traumatizing mm-hmm. for a seasoned actress who maybe oh, has yeah. done something like this before. Yeah. Mima got a couple lines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's not. A yeah. pro. So it kind of bothered me that so many people are packed in here. That's, like, I feel like there was no precaution taken yeah. for how she might feel or how she might like, I just, the none of this, I, I, it, all, it all bothered right, right. me. I no, feel absolutely. like Rumi kind of did her best to protect her by like mm-hmm. putting her up on the shelf and being like, no, this just isn't who you are. But other than that, nobody's like looking out for her at all. It no. doesn't feel like. And the thing is, is that you hear about the filming of scenes like this, whether it's, you know, nude scenes or sex scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Where they do institute a closed set policy. Yes, yeah. Where it's just the actors, cinematographer, director. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's on the monitors. There are, there are yeah. so you know, many people here. It's, like, a, it's, yeah, it's, supposed, a lot. it's supposed to be a skeleton crew. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's the, you got it's the muscles. The, you got the, the, <laughs> yeah. it's the army of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the director counts down for the take, and once it begins, Mima springs to life with a smile. Music begins to play, and she begins to perform a striptease surrounded by a crowd of men. 
she fucking as I just got finished saying that she's not a seasoned actress. Mm-hmm. This bitch just flipped a yeah. script and <laughs> went for it. Yeah, like, like I was like, I was impressed. I because when she was sitting there, I was very very worried. Yeah, well, yeah. she looked extremely with good reason. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, very nervous. Well, when the cameras roll, you got to put on a mask. You got to do. Mean, yeah. yeah, you do. Hey, we talked about personas at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. powertrons, right? <laughs> <laughs> But in the control room, Tajima pervs out over the monitor as Tadakoro and Rumi look on stoically. We hear things turn violent as the men fight the club manager before descending upon Mima's character, who pleads against their advances. Before things get too out of the basket, the director calls cut and repositions the cameras as Mima stares up at the lights and the actors hold positions. One actor, who is currently on top of Mima, apologizes to her, but she tells him it's all right. At least he's nice. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, how fucking awkward and weird for everyone involved in this. Yeah. Like, because you get, it's like so intense and it only gets more intense. But the moment where he calls cut and it's just like, oh, we all kind of just have to freeze here because yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. like, oh, they're, you know, and they're, they're being as professional as they can. Yeah. yeah. And this I did read is where the R rated version of this film ends. This scene ends here. Oh, oh when okay. he calls cut? Yeah. Oh. And so we watch the unrated version. Right. Yeah. And so I will warn people, things do get a little out of the basket from here. Mm-hmm. So be careful. The director rolls take one on the scene itself, and the men cheer as the actors begin to violate Mima's character. Before the take continues on for too long, the director calls cut again, telling the actor to try it all over again, but do it faster. In take two, he follows the directions and things get very graphic as Mima simulates being assaulted by the actor as the crowd of men cheer around her. In the control room, Tadakoro looks down regretfully as Rumi watches, tears streaming down her face. I don't blame her. No. Um, This is a fucking animated film. Yes. I was like... I was very uncomfortable. Yeah, Yeah. it's still... Yeah, it's it's a lot. And just, I mean, every aspect of it, her detachment, looking up at the lights, the I mean, just yeah. every it's it's a lot. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still my original comment. What the fuck are you filming? What the yeah. Fuck yeah, what are we doing here? here? Yeah. yeah. This is on just TV. It's a t- yeah. yeah. Like, I, God damn. Yeah. Rumi eventually storms out of the room as the scene continues. Mima more and more exposed as she sees flashes of the men cheering, the bright lights overhead, and imagines a large crowd of people cheering for her in her pop idol outfit before it all fades to white. I mean, that disassociation. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's, it's very disheartening because you realize that she didn't want to do this. No. Yeah. And... I think the thing for me is this scene caught me so off guard because I did not at all expect this in a film like this. No. And it's very hard to watch. Yeah. Which I get, I mean, it should be hard to watch. And yeah. what Conant said in that lecture series was that this scene obviously got a lot of attention for obvious reasons. And like I said in the intro, uh, whenever he thought that it was going to be a straight to video release, mm-hmm. he kind of thought that he had to do something graphic to get people's attention. All right. Because when it's a straight to video release, it's just going to be lost in a bin. Right, right. Right. And so he's like, if I give them a scene that gets people talking, then maybe that's something that can work for the film. But whenever it changed mid production and they're like, no, this is going to be released in theaters. He said, seeing this scene on a massive screen he he goes. I realized we had gone too far. Yeah, it's it. Well, it's rough. It is very rough. He says that um, 
in an attempt, I guess he wanted to combine elements, he said, of what he called tabloid material mm. to get that attention. But in getting that attention, he's like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. You know? Maybe we did too much. Yeah. And he said he said it was rated R15 in Japan. So high school students could go watch this. And he oh, said, God damn. Fuck? He goes, that was a bad call. Yeah. He God said it should have it should have been rated R18. He goes, this is adults only. Yeah. yeah. And as you know, I agree. But as far as her outfit, he said that this scene is supposed to signify the death of idol Mima. Well, I mean. And so her outfit that she wears in this scene is actually kind of mirroring her idol Mima costume mm-hmm. just in a different way. In a like more sexualized way. Exactly. Right. And so it was all, again, it was meant to be very symbolic of that. Okay. And there's even more of a symbol in a second that we see. But the overhead shot of this scene definitely reminds me of an overhead shot in the film Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Which, again, we'll talk yeah. about in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but after the scene is finished being shot, Mima sits in the dressing room dressed all in black her reflection in the mirror, her only company. And so the dressing in black is supposed to be symbolic of mourning. Mourning her old... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And pressing onto this new phase of her career. And it's like, it's very interesting because this shot lasts like a split second. Yeah. But it really says a lot. Mm -hmm. But Mima then leaves the set, getting into the back of a car driven by Tadakoro. Exhausted, Mima notices that Rumi is nowhere in sight and Tadakoro excuses her absence, saying that she just went to a meeting for him. That made me really sad. Yes. For Rumi, for Mima, because yeah. she's looking for her. Yeah. It was just sad. Well, because, I mean, when you think about it, she's been a source of support this entire time. Yeah. And so to do something like that and then not have her there, yeah. that's got to be very strange for her. But Tadakoro begins to say something to Mima, but stops himself after noticing her very even and normal demeanor, telling her that she's worked very hard, and as a reward for her efforts, he's going to treat her to dinner. She's ecstatic, but as the car speeds away, we see Uchida standing on the street, shrouded in shadows. So I take this, especially with his reaction in the control room, Mm -hmm. I think Tadakoro was going to apologize. Yeah, Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, because he sees, he's like, oh, well, she handled it very well. Yeah. And he's like, well, okay, maybe let's not make a big deal. Yeah. But I guess it just bothered me because I'm like, why are you acting weird? Or you're, this this was all your idea. Well, it was, I think, again, some things in theory, yeah. And then you actually see it happen. And you're like, fuck. I guess. I just feel like he still could have been like, I didn't know it was going to be that intense. Like, That's, you did a really yeah. great job. Like, I think, anything. I think he was planning on it. But then she's like, hey, what's up? What do you mean? What's wrong? And he's yeah. like, oh, well, then never mind. Yeah. You, you want to go eat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on me. It's on me. Again, his his own guilt. Right. Yeah. You know? But back at her apartment, Mima turns on the lights and sets down her leftovers before heading over to her fish tank. Fish food in hand, she taps on the glass to feed them, but after a closer inspection, she sees that all the fish are floating lifelessly around the tank. She breaks down in tears, wrecking her apartment and collapsing in sobs on her bed. She admits to herself that she never wanted to do the scene, but she didn't want to let everyone down who got her this far. She hears her own voice saying, See, didn't I tell you? She looks up to see a version of herself as a pop idol reflected in the glass of the computer screen. Idol Mima asks Mima if this was the job she wanted because today was the pits. She laughs and Mima throws a heart-shaped pillow at the screen. It makes contact and Mima's reflection returns to normal once again. She breathes very heavily and we see that two fish are still alive in the tank swimming around together. So... 
Khan said in his lecture that this was supposed to represent the two sides of Mima that are currently at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, the I, fish were dead. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they were they were dead. But she did only look for a second. So there could have been two that were hiding under a rock or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fish are finicky, man. Under, <laughs> under one of those, like, yeah, exactly. Uh, bubble. They got trapped. Boxes. They were like, "Help us!" And then they, <laughs> you know, it opens up, and she, they're fine. They're fine. But it is very interesting because there is a lot of two in this film. Yeah. And there's even a shot in a second that we'll get to that I was like, huh, you know, it seems like, I mean, when you think about it, everybody does have their uh, two sides. Right. You know, I mean, there's the side you see, there's the side that they are and how close are they really. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, again, it's this idea of personas. Very interesting. You see a couple of fish and the fish became like very synonymous with the... Uh, marketing and artwork of a lot of perfect blue stuff. You see covers of things that yeah. sh- show the two fish swimming around. Yeah. So it obviously means, it means a lot. something. Right, right. Yeah. So I mean, it's a very interesting. There's a lot of shit to mine. Yeah. <laughs> from this film, but sometime later we see Mima's online diary on a computer screen. We hear Mima's voice reading an entry saying that she doesn't want to do the drama anymore. And as Cham plays in the background, she says that singing in front of her fans is the best thing for her. We then see that it's Uchida sitting at his computer in a dark room, his fingers feverishly clicking away at the keyboard as the camera pulls back and reveals his bedroom covered up to the ceiling in posters of Mima. Yeah, his zombie lair is crazy. Yeah, yeah. incredibly fucking yeah. disturbing. I know it, it was a lot. Yeah. So there were two things here. One thing was you see there's something hanging from the ceiling that splits the screen in half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I was like the two sides. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the other thing as well is at this moment, I'm kind of confused. I'm like, so is Uchida writing the blog? That's what I thought. Right. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I, um, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like the clicking. I was like, well, he could just be leaving a comment. Yeah. You know, everybody. Every- no, he's writing it. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> but it made me laugh when you think about the fan that gave her the envelope he's like i'm always on me yeah. so I mean, it could have been i don't know could be anybody <laughs> but in an interview mima discusses the scene from double bind she says that she of course was hesitant but she saw it as a hurdle that she had to overcome as an actress a camera shutters and we see her photos and words on the pages of a magazine being read by the three mima fans They say that the ratings are rising for the show, but also say that the public at large are idiots. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. (laughs) Still, why you. It's beside the point. Yeah, I don't understand what that has to do with anything. And I'm like, so do you want her to succeed or not? (laughs) Because you were like, man, she only had three scenes. And you're like, well, the the show's huge, but they're fucking stupid. Like, what? You can't be pleased. Which is. (laughs) But in another interview, Mima says that she wants to be recognized as an actress, not as an ex pop idol. Which would work better if Angel of Love wasn't playing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) But in yet another interview, Mima says that she learned a lot from being in Cham, and it was a great experience for her. The Mima fans say that Ray was actually their favorite member of Cham, so let's not... It's like, thanks. (laughs) you fucking liar. You were in the front row. Yeah, no shit. Chanting for Mima, but you know, whatever. Everybody's just so fickle. Yeah. That's but, true to form, though. That is true. I mean, that's not fake. That is very true. It made me laugh, though, because they leave the, I guess, comic shop or bookstore, and they're like, I bet all those Mima fans are like, that's not our Mima in. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> but that's you. <laughs> but um, We're talking about Exactly. You. It's like, we're yeah. 
But even worse, though, right behind them stands Uchida, who clinches paper in his fist from torn up magazines. And then it's like, no, we're talking about yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but at Mima's apartment, she once again logs onto the online diary. She asks out loud, what was your day like before reading an entry? The blog reads that Mima was depressed today, but received emails from her fans that made her feel better. Mima's like, email? Yeah. So it could be that she doesn't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) But then she sees another entry. June 24th. Help me, everyone. Everyone is forcing me to do it. It's all the screenwriter's fault. And then the word help is written over and over as Mima shouts at the screen that none of this is true. She's not writing any of it. A window pops up on the computer, and we see idle Mima, and she tells Mima that, of course, she's not writing it. The real Mima is. The music grows eerie as idle Mima tells her that she knows that she secretly just wants to be a pop idol again. Mima says that she's not a pop idol anymore, and idle Mima agrees, saying that now she's just a filthy woman and nobody likes idols with tarnished reputations. Rude. Very rude. Yeah. Like, Those edibles are kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> no, shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought this wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at this point still, I'm like, she. this is guilt. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm like, yeah. she She needs some help. Yeah. Like, she's struggling. She absolutely regrets, you know, and it's just manifesting. It's yeah. still what I'm thinking. Yeah. But we see Idol Mima rush through bright lights as a crowd chants her name, and she eventually ends up standing right in front of Mima in her apartment. She says that since Mima can't return to being a pop idol, she'll have to do it. She'll be in the light while Mima will be in the shadows. Idol Mima laughs, gliding over to the window as Mima begs to know who she is. Idol Mima just taunts her, saying that nobody likes her anymore. She's tarnished and filthy. She glides to the edge of the balcony as Mima tells her that this isn't true. Idle Mima waves before leaping off, Mima rushing out and watching her float from street lamp to street lamp before disappearing. She stares off in disbelief with tears in her eyes. The bitch is smooth. Well, I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody can uh, dispute that. That gliding was great. It was great. <laughs> she ate two brownies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're only supposed to eat half, yeah. dude. <laughs> Fuck. That, that is some shit, though. Like, yes. if you're fucking you know having a conversation with yourself your mind starts breaking then you see yourself float away it's like oh my god yeah what do you do with that yeah i don't know eat another brownie (laughs) go to bed i'm going to sleep a third me (laughs) (laughs) right the other one wasn't very cool what are you about (laughs) but i mean i don't know it it was really interesting to watch i mean visually and the way it's animated yeah but at the same time you're like how how overworked is Mima right now? Yeah. How stressed out is she? You know, I mean, I there is there are some things in the film that could be explained a little bit more, but then there are some things in the film that kind of defy explanation. Yeah. yeah. Um Idol Mima popping up because Idol Mima doesn't just pop up for her. Yeah. No, there are and I don't know if I can quite get into this yet. Right. But there is a theory that I read that depending on the way that idol mima is lit whether or not she's glowing hmm, i could I've, be you know but i feel like i need to wait to talk about that <laughs> yeah but i rewatched it with that in mind and a lot of it fits it not does. everything that's the no, thing there's, yeah, there's, there's a always, couple yeah there's always some kind of outlier where i'm like well damn it yeah. like almost <laughs> but um i mean we'll get to that we'll see. Yeah. Do it. yeah we'll see 
But that night, Shibuya parks inside of a parking garage. But when he gets out of his car, he sees that someone has taped a note over his name on his designated spot. It reads double bind in cut out magazine letters, and it's splashed with what appears to be blood. The fact that he's just, everybody is so fucking chill. Yeah, that works on oh this show. God. <laughs> he's like, man, like, well, it's, it's a, a living. Matter of the- yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess maybe he thinks that people are upset about, but God damn, I would be like security. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. But didn't dude get his hand blow up when they were doing something earlier? Oh, he did. And he was on set yeah. for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It said warning. It did. It's like, I think now we've. Like, we need to go to the police. Yes. Absolutely. Something's wrong. Absolutely. I will say, though, just as a sidebar, I loved the animation of the taillights on the wall. Yeah. The attention to detail in this movie is so it's good. Great. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Shibuya just takes it off with no comment. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is just Thursday. Yeah, it's all the time. <laughs> he continues walking, but stops dead in his tracks when he hears Angel of Love playing faintly in the distance. He calls out, asking if anyone is there. Rookie, you know, yeah. yes. horror movie move. But the music stops and he just continues toward the elevator. Once there, the music begins to play again, Shibuya growing more and more uneasy. I'm just looking at this, not in my own paranoid brain, but like in the brain of like a normal person. (laughs) I pull up. They've referenced the show where I wrote this very traumatizing scene for this woman. Yeah. Blood is splattered on it. Uh Uh-huh. Her music is playing. Yes, it is. I'm. I don't think that I'm being overly paranoid when I'm oh, like no, I'm uh, being targeted no, because no, no. of something I'm back that I wrote. Out and I'm, yeah. I'm goodbye. Yeah. I can't make it today. Or somebody needs to come down here and walk. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Or multiple people need to. Yeah. Come <laughs> down here and but walk instead, me. it's just like hello. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I don't think. And there's a lot of moments in films where I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. But I'm like, no, that's you. Yeah. Somebody who watches too much true crime and watches too much horror. Yeah. I think anybody should be scared at this point or at the very least feel like somebody's mad at them specifically. Right, right. And I'm sorry, but okay, we've got all these connecting parts that nobody seems to be connecting. Yeah. If I knew about this stuff, I would be like, somebody monitor Mima's room. Oh, no, yeah. Yes. You know, check the website. (laughs) What does it say? Oh, me specifically? That I, d- <laughs> <laughs> that I forced Did her? Did they say Shibuya? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when the elevator finally arrives, the doors burst open and the music grows louder and distorted. He sees that on the floor of the elevator sits a boombox blasting Cham. We then cut to the elevator arriving at floor number five. The doors slide open and the camera dips down to find Shibuya resting against the wall, blood spattered against it and pouring from his eyeless sockets with his mouth agape frozen in horror. His lifeless body crumbles to the floor, the camera pulling down the hall as the elevator doors close again. I think he needs help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can somebody get him a glass of water? <laughs> Should have called the call box yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's hitting the red button. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, I'm fine. Yeah, no. Like, He's we, like, don't, we don't take yeah. things seriously. Tadakoro's like, no. Yeah. Yeah, the, get, get up. Get up. <laughs> no, this shocked the shit out of me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, no, yeah. I was not expecting... Like, there's so much dread going into this and mm. you know that something is going to happen, but I was not expecting it to go there. No, yeah. not at all. And it was incredibly, I mean, and that's what I love about this is that they really hid the violence of what oh, happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, yeah. it maintains the mystery. Yeah. Mm. But at the same but, time, you, we see an eyeless man yeah. yes. collapse to the ground. You know what happened. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Horrible. And I mean, yeah. at, at the end of the day, he was just doing his job. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know that the scene was very upporting and traumatizing, uh-huh. but- 
that's not i don't think necessarily his responsibility the acting part because no i feel like i am being a little hard on the agent maybe because i feel like you should be more in tune with how she feels or like have more of a dialogue with Mima. This dude is just trying to write a show and it's yeah. not his responsibility to, to, you know, assign, yeah. you know what I mean? He was just doing his job. No, yeah. And when you go back to it, Tajima asked him when they were talking about the scene and Shibuya was like, I don't know if she's going to be okay with yeah. this or her agency. Yeah. yeah. And so to him, he's like, I wrote a very troubling scene. The agency agreed to it. Mima agreed to it. Yes. I talked to Mima on the set. She yeah. seemed cool. She yeah. snapped yeah. the character as soon as we started rolling. Yes. Like, so to him, I think he's that everything like, was fine. All right, yeah. let's get to episode four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and then to be murdered yeah, in a fucking no, parking shit. garage. Yeah. But I do love the visual. Oh, yeah. It's no, yeah. fucking fantastic. And scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. It might be a little like esoteric, but it reminded me of a scene from Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, there's an elevator thing and there's a lot of dead bodies. Yeah. But it, the way it was, it, I loved it. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> when something can remind you of something you loved in your childhood. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's never bad. Yeah. We got a great, great thing going here. <laughs> but sirens wail in the city as we pan across the skyline. But we promptly transition to a siren of a child's toy car as he rides on the sidewalk in the sunlight. The transitions in this film, again. Yeah. They're top top tier. They're great. Yeah. But he passes a poster on a building for Cham, now a very successful duo. A line stretches from the building where inside, the former Mima fans read a newspaper telling them of Shaboya's death. They joke that Mima fan B did it but then begin to speculate about the Mima's Room website, wondering if it's real. You know, the website that literally yeah. mentioned Shibuya yeah. right yeah. before he was murdered? He died the next that, day. Yeah. That website? <laughs> but Uchida sits in front of them, camcorder in hand, zooming in on a poster of Ray and Yukiko, advertising Cham's new single, Lucky. The former Mima fans share that the page said Mima would be on stage today with Cham, and Uchida zooms in on the center of the poster where Mima normally would be. Uh, Britney Spears also had a song called Lucky. Yes, she did. Um, <laughs> why are we doing this? <laughs> Just, it's a good song. Though. It's a great song. <laughs> that was pretty good. I think the uh, dude from Entourage was in that video, wasn't he or something? I think he was the boyfriend or something. It's, I don't know. The uh, Jeremy Piven guy? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was lucky to be dating a man 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. What are you so. doing here, man? No, it was... Uh, Isn't she lucky? Yeah. <laughs> it was wrong dude, set. He wrong was set. in uh, Devil Wears Prada or whatever. Yeah. He probably wasn't in the video at all. <laughs> <laughs> cut that, cut yeah, that. Cut, cut that, that, cut that, cut that. What are we doing? We're going on all these <laughs> Britney Spears related tangents and pop music in general. We're talking about Destiny's Child. Like, yeah. Listen, listen. You get a lot from Podmortem. <laughs> We're elder millennials. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet a lot of people like of like Gen Z don't even know that Beyonce used to be in a group. Probably not. Because she's just her own. (laughs) (laughs) But let me get back to the goddamn film. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Perfect Blue. What I'm trying to say is that the idea of her joining them on stage, it's like you had my curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you have my attention because how the fuck we know what meme is up to. Yep. So what and it ain't is that. gonna yeah. happen? Yeah, and then it makes you think back to that letter, and you're like, "Oh my god!" This was yeah. This was a moment, and it, we'll get to it in a second. But that really, like, when I'm trying to thread together my own theory of everything that happened, <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this one is- I'm like, "No, you son of a like, get in line!" Like, yes. I, this one I it's, really have a I struggle. Yeah, we'll get to it in a second. But it's the only outlier that kind of fucks with anything that I have. Right, and I can't explain it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as much as I want to. 
But in the back of Tadakoro's car, Mima watches a news broadcast sharing the news of Shibuya's murder. Tadakoro says that the murder was shocking, but worrying about it won't <laughs> help anything. I t- <laughs> the culture on this yeah, set or with this production is just... It's nuts. Just get past it. It's like, you know, sometimes you get your hand fucked up. Sometimes people get their eyes cut out. Yeah. You, you, you got some scenes today. So, yeah, sometimes you're brutally murdered on your way to work. Well, we knew him. Like, we yeah. just saw him. They just... She was just groveling to him for more <laughs> yeah. lines like three days He's ago. He's like, oh my God, get over it. <laughs> yeah. And who's going to write... Did he finish the show? I hope. Oh, I mean, shit. are we going Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. yeah. Or are you just going to phone <laughs> it in? <laughs> Shaboya was getting a Star Wars film that he was going to make. <laughs> so he didn't give a fuck about season eight. That was just a little personal. I, I'm very mad at them we're still. All, we're all upset. <laughs> yeah. I have yet to watch House of the Dragon. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but he says they just have to focus on something else. Mima brings up the letter bomb and Tadakoro is like, you think they're connected? Yes. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I see why he was writing the detective story because holy <laughs> shit. But as they enter a tunnel, Mima says that she didn't say that. And she lowers her head and we get a shot of her reflection doing the same. I'm currently afraid of her reflection. Yeah, well, her reflection is real uh, shady. Like yeah. You really yeah. never know what's it's coming. It's been saying some shit that's not Rude. pizza. Yeah. One thing I will say, though, is that it's a very good job of misdirection mm-hmm. because we're focused on that. Right. But Tadakoro tells her that she shouldn't worry about it. And he says that she won't become a star looking all miserable and that she should smile. Not great. No, I was like, ew. I'm just mad at everyone. (laughs) Like, this movie is so frustrating in so many ways. Everyone who isn't Mima, you're like... Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But she turns to the window and we see her smiling in the reflection. But in the opposite lane, she sees idle Mima in the backseat of a car. Before the car speeds away, idle Mima mouths serves you right to Mima. <laughs> She's so fucking mean. It made me laugh though because Mima My was like, serves you stuff. right. <laughs> she had to read the lips. <laughs> She's like, oh my He's God. Like, you fucker. But again, that's the misdirection I was talking about. I'm waiting for her reflection to snap. Right. It's a fucking car. And it's car. in a whole other car. Yeah. But Mima gets out of the car and takes a few steps in disbelief as the car carrying idle Mima continues down the road. Motorists honk at Tadakoro, who is holding up traffic as he shouts for Mima, asking what's wrong. But in the Cham dressing room, Ray and Yukiko wonder if Mima will be all right at her upcoming photo shoot. Ray says the photographer is well adept at getting models to take their clothes off, and Yukiko jokes that Mima has no problem showing it all off, and they laugh together at Mima's expense. Yeah, I was gonna. I was like, did y'all take this as shade? Because I did. Oh yeah, and absolutely. I really didn't appreciate it. I think that they're they're like kind of probably mad at her for leaving Cham. Yeah, but yeah. now y'all are fucking y'all. Cham is charting. Yeah, everyone's killing it. Yeah, and you're like this, you know? It's yeah. Like, what the fuck. Let her do. She's going on to another right, phase right. of her career. Let her live. She's an actress now. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> But Rumi, who heard it all, busts into the room telling them to hurry up and get ready for their show. After she leaves, Yukiko falls back in embarrassment. This, okay, I laughed out loud. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's animated because we've all been there. Yeah. We're like, oh my God, you just like. Fucking, oh, you were there. Cool. Yeah, she possumed to the ground. Like, <laughs> we all know what that's like. But at the photo shoot, Murano, the photographer played by Masashi Ibata, snaps shots of Mima in bed. She's wearing an oversized shirt over lace undergarments, switching poses as Murano directs her. Eventually, he says that she should take the shirt off, which she does. 
The Flash transitions to a camera in the crowd at the Cham show, Ray and Yukiko in new outfits performing their new song. It's no angel of love, but no, uh, no it's not. It's, it's still right. good. No, it's, it's not still bad. Good. It's the oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, they, they're fucking they're killing, killing it. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that's a guest. <laughs> because <laughs> it's neither neither Ray or Yukiko because they're just standing there dancing as it's fucking killing yeah. them. And it well, is kind of funny to me because, oh, we'll talk well, about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the music continues as Murano snaps more and more shots of Mima in varying states of undress. First in her underwear, then topless, then completely nude. We see Uchida taping Cham from the crowd, zooming into the void at the middle of the girls on stage. Mima appears at the center of the shot, but we realize it's a fading transition because she's hiding in the bathroom at the photo shoot. Tadakoro knocks on the door, telling her that everyone is waiting for her. She agreed to do this after all. But just then, idol Mima appears. She tells her that she's better off as a pop idol and that she's going to go sing with Rei and Yukiko on stage again. Mima insists that she's an actress, but idol Mima says that everyone is waiting for her. And before she slinks out of another door, she tells Mima that what everyone wants is. And we then cut to a crowd going wild as idol Mima, with a bright haze around her, joins Cham on stage, singing the song with Rei and Yukiko. The crowd cheers Mimarin very loudly, and tears fill Uchida's eyes as he gazes longingly at the stage. Idol Mima then thanks everyone before diving into the crowd. So, this. Yes, okay. And- Another thing that I forgot to mention in my script is that Ray and Yukiko look very uncomfortable. Yeah. They look extremely uncomfortable. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yes. Because the first, I didn't even catch that the first time I watched this because so much is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, either this is Mima, like, I really should be out there instead of in here with this dude being like, no, get back out here and get naked or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then I'm like, no, maybe it's Uchida imagining that Mima came back. But going back to the pop idol glow theory, exactly, the bitch is glowing. Very, in this. Yeah. very and bright. And so my theory that I'm working on now is I think that somebody else did was up there with them, mm-hmm. and that's why they're both kind of looking like what, what the, the fuck? fuck? Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, but the the watching it the last time because I watched this movie like five times. Yeah, to talk about this today. Yeah. And it was the last time that I was like, huh, it's their the, eyes grow me, wider. Yeah, for right, me, right. it's the look on their faces because it's not, this is not in somebody else's mind that they're projecting. They look uncomfortable. Right. Yes. And again, it's not even like, I think the way that it's cut, you think in your head, okay, this is in conjunction with Mima's delusion she's having in the bathroom. Right. When in reality, might not be. My only issue, the only thing that fucks it up for me is I wish that there was a line a comment uh something yeah later that maybe you don't even understand what they're talking about but when you put it together you're like oh yeah. because somebody yeah. would have fucking <laughs> 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 if what i think happened yeah. is happening somebody would have said something yeah. cut back to the meme fans early that was fucking weird yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> is it just me or was well, that not, not me yeah. <laughs> It's brilliant. It is. If that's what's actually happening, but... We would like to hear more. I would love to, some clarification that that's yes. what happened. Although, in all fairness, when you think about it, there are, like... there Everything lines up with that theory. 
Does it? I mean, when you think about who, I mean, we can't talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's keep going. We'll keep and going. then, yeah, we, there's more uh, performance chat later. Absolutely. Because, because yes. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> but we see this event recounted in the online diary. Idol Mima thanking everyone for being at the show and telling them that singing in front of everyone was amazing. But in an overhead shot of Mima's bathtub in her apartment, she crouches forward, her head submerged beneath the water. Her eyes clenched shut. She screams, bastards. Air bubbles rising forcefully from her mouth. It's so sad. Very sad. Mm. And the fact that her apartment is really messy now. Yeah. That was not lost on me either. No. And, um... We'll talk about why she's so upset in a second, but I think this is the perfect time to discuss Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. So Aronofsky, because this shot was used shot for shot in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. All right. And Aronofsky, from what I read, had expressed an interest in remaking Perfect Blue. And I guess I read varying things on this subject. Some said that he bought the American rights to Perfect Blue mm-hmm. so that he could use that shot in Requiem. Oh, all right. And then other people said that he was unable to secure those rights. And so he was never able to make a remake, but he used the scene as a bit of an homage to Khan. Well, that is makes it an, sense. Is it an homage when it's the exact same thing? That's what makes it tricky. That's what makes it very tricky. Because the thing well, is... it's not the movies just I mean, and then I, I putting guess. a different name. There's <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a lot of things in Requiem outside of just that shot that are very perfect blueish. Yeah. You know? And in an interview, Khan talked himself about the power of influence and homage in his own films. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of, I guess, humbled by the use of it. Right. But at the same time, it's also like, that's the exact shot. It's it's the exact same thing. You know? Like, you get, if you Google it right now, you can see the side, side by, by sides. Side. It's the exact yeah. same thing. And I mean, it is the byproduct of being an artist. I mean, there th- to me, the importance of it is the acknowledgement. I've, right. Uh, that's true. And I feel like it wouldn't be... It would just be like, oh, wow, that's actually really fucking cool. I think to me, it's uh, the addition of Black Swan. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's where I'm like, well, you you kind of. Yes. You kind of took. You because know. the thing is, is that it's it's inescapable for Requiem. Right. Because it's shot for shot. Yeah. You got to say something. But he was very clearly influenced by Perfect Blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In making Black Swan, because again, there are shots from Perfect Blue that are basically yeah. recreated in Black Swan. All right. Which I know we'll probably talk about more when we cover Black Swan. I which can't I wait. hope to do. Yes. Yeah. I, and that's the thing is that it is its own thing, Black Swan, but there's a lot of Perfect Blue in it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with influence and homage. It again goes back to me about the acknowledgement. Yeah. Right. Because he said straight up in an interview that there are similarities but he says that Black Swan, to him, when he was making it, he wasn't inspired at all by Perfect Blue. Okay, now, <laughs> stop. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where you get, because anything that I've ever done, if I write a song, I can list you the things that inspired me and influenced me to write it. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem doing that, because I know that I've created something transformative yeah. from those influences. Right, instead of the same thing. Exactly. Right. And he did the same thing. But it's like, why don't you just say it? You already did it for Requiem. Right. Yeah. And we know that you love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's very, very clear. So I was just very confused by that. I, and I love Black Swan. Yeah, me too. So and, it's, it's, and, and it's, I love Aronofsky. Yeah. And this was recommended to us based on the fact that, that we do. We mentioned that we love Black Swan right. on Talk Mortem. Yes. And Michael Newding was like, well, we'll check, check this, this out. out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. That's, I didn't know that he said that. Yeah. That's, 
He, wow. he said his influence for Black Swan was the ballet Black Swan. And it's like, well, you can have more than one influence. Right, yeah. right. Like you can, I mean, come on. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you ever see a Tarantino film? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. But we'll obviously dive into more of the details when we do cover Black Swan. Yeah. Which I hope to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll uh, end it there for now. <laughs> <laughs> Hold that thought. Yeah, to be continued. But a magazine cover reads, Mima Kiragoi leaving the throne of a pop idol. And we see that the only photos printed for the issue were the full frontal nudes of Mima taken by Murano. Well, yeah. you know, of course. Yeah, of course. And I think that's where obviously her anger comes from is that it's not as if you have this whole afternoon of a photo shoot. Right. You only use these photos. Well, because you have to feel used. Absolutely. You have yeah. to, like all of the the cajoling and the encouragement and everything was literally just to get us to this point. This Absolutely. is all, yeah. this is all that any of it was point. for. And in all honesty, for what is on the outside of people looking in, uh-huh. her career is taking off. She should just be at home having a regular tubby time. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, we understand the anger that we saw in the bath. Uh, right. Absolutely. She's got to put up with all this bullshit. Yeah. Like nothing. From all is, sides. Yeah. Nothing is what it seems. And again, that's a, a matter of perception. Yeah. Because yeah. you probably see people from the outside that are like, man, Mima's life is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck no. No. So again, very sad. Yeah. But a very sweaty Uchida snatches all of the magazines from men at the bookstore, his satchel filled with them, and we see him purchasing all of them at the counter. That is weirdly scary to me. The way that he's just like, in his own mind, you can almost erase that this happened. If I buy all of these and nobody here can see it. But that's a lot. He's going to need some help move. I mean, there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) I love You want to call a friend? He's he's worried about the logistics. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to hurt your back, Uchi. Yeah, dude. dude. Well, I mean, you (laughs) can tell. It's like, why are you buying all of these? Yeah. And you're not leaving. I don't care how many of those you buy. You're not taking all of those (laughs) at once. I think that the thing is for me is that it's exactly what the Mima fans said before. That's not my meme. Yeah. 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 And so he's like, you don't get to see that. Yeah. And so he's doing right. what gr- what gross fans do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. It's just possessive and gross. Yeah. But again, all that we're seeing, and I will say that what happens later in the film and everything, they're really setting him up as the big bad. Uh-huh. Right, right. Plain and simple. And it, some of that does play into, I guess, maybe some stereotypical things about uh, big fans of things, the fandom, how it can grow toxic. Mm-hmm. And so and we're ready to be like, man, Uchida, you fucking sick freak. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. God, he's still, he, he still well, is. You fucking, <laughs> you fucking, <laughs> fucking <laughs> sick bitch. <laughs> maybe I went a little far. <laughs> that was aggressive. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, from the very moment that we meet him when he's holding her up in his hand. Yes. I mean, it's all... He, d- Uchida, you did it to yourself. You did, yeah. <laughs> like, let's be clear. There, it's not like you, you had to be painted. <laughs> <laughs> but we return to his apartment, stacks of the magazines that maybe a friend of his helped him carry back. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he told those kids. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to need help. Grab an armful. <laughs> <laughs> but they're filling his floor as he sits at his computer. He reads an email that appears to be from Mima that reads to Mr. Mimania his online alias. Thank you for your email every day. He mouths along as he continues to read, idle Mima's voice coming from his mouth, telling him that the real Mima is actually an imposter. He types back that he knows that the real Mima would never pose for pictures like that, and he promises to protect her. 
Idol Mima emails him back, thanking him, and says that she trusts him. All of his posters begin speaking to him in unison, telling him that she'll never change one bit and that she'll always be with him. But that imposter keeps getting in her way. A lot to unpack here. Uh-huh. And not just the multitude of magazines. <laughs> um, first of all, the score here is very oh. genuinely fucking... It's so good. Yeah. It's scary as fuck. Yes. Um, so watching this, I'm like, so you're emailing yourself back? That's what I thought. Because I'm like, this... And watching him mouth the words and her voice come out. Yeah. I mean... What more do you need? Yeah. I'm like, I got all the proof right here. I'm like, this is this is so scary that he is doing all of this. Like, this is a one-way conversation. And he thinks that... And in his mind, like, this is what is so scary sometimes. In real life, a lot of true crime mm-hmm. cases, people that think that they're doing the right thing yes. or helping someone or saving someone by doing something like this. And that's what he thinks. Yeah, in his mind, his Mima is yeah. being impersonated. Yes. Yeah. And her reputation is being ruined. Yes. So. It's just, it's it's so scary. And we I think earlier we talked about Bjork. I can't remember if that was off mic. Yeah, or, no. um, but it, it, was. it was like that. It's, it's like you think, or some people think, that they have ownership or a piece of these people because you're allowed to see what they have allowed you to see it's and it's, so like overstep it, it is just, it's very frightening the thing is is that there's nothing wrong with forming almost i guess parasocial connections right with the artist I that mean, you we love all, we all do that we all do it but it this is it going too far yeah it's to the nth degree mm-hmm. but it gets even worse because mima idol mima asks what she should do and Uchida types back, I'll get rid of her. She thanks him, and the camera swirls around to reveal Idol Mima right next to him. She tells him that he's the only one she can depend on, and she wraps her arms around him. I will say that she is glowing. She is. Um, on a first watch, I thought, again, if it was a delu- like a, another delusional kind of thing. For sure. But at the same time, I'm like, is it, is it supernatural? Like, I'm like, what is going on? But the more that we discuss this theory, the more I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of gets honestly worse. Yeah. I'd rather it be a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please let this Please be super be a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but on the set of Double Bind, Mima and Eddie stand soaked in the rain in character. Mima says that she doesn't know who she is anymore, and she's worried that her other self could do things that she doesn't even know about. Eddie tells her that illusions can't come to life and that everything's all right. Again, so much overlap. I was going to say, I feel like this scene hits a little close to home. Yeah, a little too much. I want to know what Shibuya... (laughs) Can we have a stand-in for this one? (laughs) (laughs) But Mima stares into the crowd gathered to watch the shoot, but jumps back when she sees Uchida standing there and ruins the take. The director asks if Mima is all right, and she apologizes to Eddie, but when she looks back into the crowd, Uchida is gone. As a downpour begins to fall, the crew calls it a day. Mima is really being established, like, from this point forward as an incredibly unreliable narrator. Yes. I mean, even this right here, thinking that you see him, like, did you see him and then he walked away or was he never that? You don't know what the fuck's going on. And it gets worse and worse and worse. Yes. This is honestly the, where it begins. I think if people say that perfect blue is very confusing, Mm -hmm. I think this is where it is. It is. is. (laughs) Especially the first time you watch it. Well, yeah, I've, I've watched it like five times now, so I don't find it as confusing as I used to. 
But if this is your first watch, I can see people kind of being taken out of it. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. and then especially looking at it through her lens. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck is going on. No. And there's a moment later that kind of well, not even later. It's in the next scene that you're like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I'm so invested. I'm leaning in, and then I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> but we'll get to it. Um. Back at the office, we see that Ray and Yukiko are hosting a radio show called Idol Chamland. I was like, these bitches have a podcast? I was like, yeah. <laughs> they fucking invented podcasting? <laughs> it is 97. But Mima enters the building with Tadakoro, who tells her that he's sure they're already on the air, and he thought that she'd like to see them since it's been so long. She's filled with joy as she enters the control room. I did think she was handling the whole Cham situation very well. Yeah. Because she honestly has every right to be kind of upset to see them. Bitter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are, she doesn't know they're talking shit behind her back. <laughs> they are talking, but they're talking shit behind her back. <laughs> <laughs> but she goes to wave at her former bandmates, but stops when she sees idle Mima seated at the table with them. She backs away fearfully into Tadakoro as Rei and Yukiko see her through the glass. Before they can reunite, Mima runs away, frantically chasing idle Mima down the hall, who just glides with ease at double the speed. I liked the fact that Idol Mima had her own mic. Yeah. Well, she's part of the show. <laughs> and she said they're closer with them. Yeah. She's like, oh, this isn't my first episode. Yeah. <laughs> but Mima plows through people in her pursuit, eventually tumbling down a staircase. She rises to her feet as Idol Mima, she tells her, she's like, see, I'm the real Mima. Yeah. Taunting her mm -hmm. and chases her outside through the rain. She stumbles onto a crosswalk right into the path and beaming headlights of a bus driven by Uchida. Mima braces for impact as everything goes white and she wakes up in her bed. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. yeah. Um, not that I wanted her to get hit. Well, no, no, no. But, <laughs> but uh, this was, I wonder if any of this really happened. I don't think it did. Because as things go on, this is a recurring theme. Uh-huh. But those things happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe Idol Chamland's real. Yeah. That's what I'm like. I think she maybe... could have been listening to it as she slept. And can you can you imagine how frustrating it would be if you're giving your all, fucking yourself up, chasing somebody, and they're skipping? Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. I told you about. I can't remember what episode it was, but that dude that ran backwards in elementary school. Yeah. And he beat everyone, and I was like, "You fucking show off!" I was so pissed. Everyone was mad. Everybody hated that kid. Look. <laughs> Um, I am glad that it was a dream, though, because she really did bump into a lot of people without an apology. She did. And yeah. That's not a good look. Well, what did they say? Well, as soon as they become actresses, they're, yeah, they're unfriendly. Like, they just run right into you. <laughs> but Mima's doorbell rings, and we cut to her sitting with Rumi at her table for tea and cake. Mima says that it feels like forever since she's seen her, with Rumi admitting that she's been busy, too. She asks if Mima is getting used to acting, and she says that it's been difficult, but it's what she chose to do. Rumi tells Mima that she's matured quite a bit, but it's good to see that people like this new Mima. Mima just half-heartedly agrees, which Rumi takes notice of, asking out of the blue if Mima is being harassed by someone. It's a little on the nose, Rumi. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, what? She says that she's been on that homepage and that it's pretty fucked up. Maybe it would be best if Mima didn't look at it anymore. Mima says maybe she shouldn't, but maybe that version of her is more her than herself, her other self that she buried deep within her heart. Okay. Yes. That is an incredibly troubling thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To say. Yeah. In her heart. Yeah. Like not even left behind. Right. No. It's like, that's who I want. You know, yeah. it's yeah. so tragic. 
but she asks what if that other personality started acting on its own. Rumi tells her that illusions can't come to life, and suddenly, Eddie's comforting hand rests on Mima's shoulder. She snaps back to herself after saying Rumi's name, and the crew laughs while Mima apologizes to Eddie for ruining another take. They're on the set of Double Blind. I was like, what is happening? Eddie says that she feels like she's going to have nightmares about this line, which is interesting because Mima is. Yes. But in the sunlight, Mima once again notices Uchida standing amongst the crowd of onlookers, but he disappears before she can do anything about it. The director calls for take two, and we dip to white as Mima once again wakes up in bed in her apartment. She woke up in Jared's apartment. <laughs> that's another. <laughs> that's for a creep and no sleep people. Yes. Um, Man, both shows get representation. Was... <laughs> this is just where it starts to get like, it feels as a viewer, like everything is spiraling out of control. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's that stress of her, like everything's blending. Everything is really, really just too much. Yeah. You know, her life, Mima's room, double bind, jam success like yeah. it's just and it's more than you should really put on a person yes and literally her first line in the film is don't pressure me yes yeah. <laughs> it is so she let it be known from jump that this is i isn't... don't respond well <laughs> <laughs> but the shots play out almost identically from when she woke up before the doorbell ringing and Rumi once again joining her for tea and cake i loved this because the director just called for take two yeah oh shit and so we're doing it again yep mima says that it's been a while but rumi reminds her that she was just here yesterday mima clutches her teacup in her hand asking if that was even real and rumi tells her that she's acting weird but mima suddenly crushes the teacup in her hands rumi grabbing her wrists in concern as blood pours from her palms my friend is saying weird shit Uh uh-huh yeah i just came to see her yesterday and now she's like oh you haven't been by in a while yeah oh was that real you're weird, Mima. That's it. Yeah. That's all you got. <laughs> She's clearly having some yeah, extreme something problems. Yeah. yeah. What's your problem? What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, what? somebody support her, please. No, nah, they're not going to do that. <laughs> Mima asks if the blood is even real as it drips into the tea resting at the bottom of her shattered cup. Later, Mima continues reading from the blog as an entry details a shopping trip. She's like, I guess I went to Harajuku today. Oh, my God. In photos, she holds a blue shopping bag. So, I guess. I guess she did. But on Double Bind, Eddie's character explains everything to Sakuragi's character. The murderer is an illusion created in the mind of Mima's character. She fears an imaginary security guard, then doubles that figure with the serial murder of top models. Sakuragi says illusions can't kill, but Eddie posits that they could possess people to kill and says all the men who were murdered were simply men who were no longer of use to her. Murano watches the show from his couch at home as Eddie's character pleads with the detective to find her before another victim falls prey. Just then, Murano's doorbell rings. So again, I love this interplay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, and I'm watching it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's a lot, but... Murano answers the door and it's just a pizza delivery from Big Body Pizza. (laughs) (laughs) From from what I understand, I read (laughs) that Big Body and FGG are references to either a musician that Khan worked with later and was a fan of. So it's not just a hilarious thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Big Body Pizza. (laughs) But 
He asks how much he owes, but the delivery person doesn't answer. After remarking that they're weird. <laughs> it's a recurring thing. Yeah. He's like, you're weird for a delivery man. Any, any troubling thing. You're weird. That's all they got. But he accidentally drops his change on the floor. And when he bends down to pick it up, the delivery person jams a screwdriver into his eye. I would be a little more upset <laughs> if yeah, I go yeah. to get the pizza and they just throw it on the floor. <laughs> They like, just throw it on the floor. What the hell? Like I feel like everyone t- takes things very well in this. Like you're weird. But I was not expecting the fucking no. shot to the eye. No. Like that was not a at lot. all. But the pizza delivery person pulls out the screwdriver. Blood spraying from Murano's eye as they continue to stab him in the chest, stomach, and I hate to say it, folks, the dick. The dick. <laughs> yeah. I was like they, the eye and the dick. Yeah, God damn. They they zoom in on the dick. <laughs> <laughs> that is that was a lot but the violent attack continues through his apartment until he falls down bloody in front of his projector screen the delivery person's hat falls off revealing them to be mima who amidst flashes of her nude pictorial brings the screwdriver down into murano over and over again i had a couple thoughts here firstly the animation of this whole sequence is brilliant yes this is what i said earlier when i said there was a fluidity to it this mm-hmm. has real human motion in it. Yeah. And it's amazing. But the other thing that I did want to talk about is the projected screen. Mm-hmm. The way that it's projected onto the face. It is Mima's character. Yeah. Onto the face of the killer who we see as Mima. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Also take notice of the ice pick. Yes. John Paul pointed that out to me and I was like, fuck! Yeah, Yeah, because again, these tiny clues and there there was something that comes up later that I didn't really catch the first time, but saw and confirmed with some fan theories on Reddit Uh with as far as murder weapons and who is wielding Mm -hmm. them. And it's very, very interesting. All right. But eerie music plays as Mima imagines Murano's sweaty face peering over her nude body as the camera flashes and she brings down the screwdriver again and again into his corpse. The screen suddenly dips to white as the director calls for take three and Mima wakes up again in her bed. She looks at her hands in horror. In this moment, I figured she was looking at them in horror because she had a nightmare about killing Murano. Mm -hmm. Right. But... You can kind of think that maybe she's looking at her hands in horror because she crushed a fucking teacup and she was just bloody yesterday. Yeah. 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 And her hands look fine. Yeah. So what? It's fucking strawberry fields. (laughs) 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 But Mima's phone rings and it's Tadakoro. He asks if she's all right and if she's heard about what happened to Murano. You also see Rumi on the phone in the background as well. Mm hmm. But Mima immediately turns on the television, a news broadcast sharing the details of Murano's murder. The agency is in a frenzy, and Tadakoro tells her to stay put in her apartment until he gets there. The news anchor says that the weapon used in the killing is the same one used in the recent murder of Shiboya. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Mima walks over to her closet to find a bag labeled FGG, like in her Harajuku shopping spree. Right. Uh-huh. But when she reaches inside, she finds a pizza delivery uniform covered in blood. She immediately hides them away and gets changed as she hears the doorbell ringing. She goes to open it, assuming it's Tadakoro, but it's only reporters asking for her opinion on Murano's murder and the connection to Shiboya's death. They say there are rumors of a love triangle, which where the fuck are you getting that? Yeah. Because it's sensational. It's the media. Yes. Right. They're gross. Yeah. (laughs) 
But back on the set of Double Bind, the crew openly speculates within earshot of Mima about her connection to the murders, but Rumi tells her to just ignore them. I'm like, y'all know she can hear yeah. you, yeah. right? Like, I bet she did it. We're co-workers. But Mima, who is clearly out of it, wonders if she's even still alive. Maybe she was hit by that bus after all, and none of this is real. The director calls her to her mark as an actor lies bloody on the floor. I will say this is where I kind of got pissed off at Rumi a little bit because your client is ha- like experiencing what they think is non-reality. Right, yeah. right. And you're like, go hit your mark. Yeah. Well, it threw me off that this just happened. Oh, yeah. And people were hounding Mima about it. Right. People are whispering, t- talking openly yeah. about yeah. her on set. And this is the scene that we have to do today? Like, we couldn't oh, yeah. take today yeah. off? I think... um yeah, they didn't. Well, they didn't. <laughs> like, they didn't take a day off for Shaboy. I mean, fair enough. And he wrote, and he wrote on the, the show. goddamn show. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but the director tells her to breathe heavier for this take, considering she's just murdered someone. She looks down to find the screwdriver on the floor, and her eyes travel up the body as it lurches up, and we see Murano's eyeless corpse staring back at her, smiling. She promptly faints, but she wakes up back in her apartment. And her apartment's very cluttered. Yes. And again, Khan in that lecture talked about your living space kind of being a representation of your psyche. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we're seeing fits what she's going through. Yeah. But when she turns her head, she sees Eddie standing there. Eddie asks her name and she tells her that she's Mima Kitagoi, a pop idol. No, an actress. Sakuragi looks on through a two-way mirror saying that she thinks that she's a new young actress named Mima Kitagoi. Eddie comes through the door with a diagnosis, disassociative personality disorder. The crimes took place when she was another persona. The other persona, Yoko, was nothing more than a character in a drama for her. Eddie says that everything that's happened to her was a drama. By separating herself from her trauma, she salvaged her heart. Mima peers into the mirror telling herself that she's an actress. The first time I saw this, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those movies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I say one of those movies because it's done a lot. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I understand, you know, it's 97. Maybe it wasn't done as much yet. You know, a certain Fincher film hadn't come out yet. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, it's uh, before it's it's um, impactful at its time, but maybe not so much now. Right. And so I was a little let down. Right. Right. To be honest. Well, there are theories that this is true. I disagree with those And theories. that the rest of the film is like non-reality. No. <laughs> then why put it in there? Huh? Then why have it there at all? Uh, to fuck with you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because it's her. She's dealing with so much and she's also having these overlaps. She is smart enough to understand that there is a lot of overlap going on. Yeah. Between her character and her real life. Yeah. And so I think that it just plays into her current state of thinking right, right which honestly this whole show has oh yeah <laughs> like it has hit entirely too close to home yeah. the entire run but the tape rewinds and from the control room tajima watches it again only this time when mima is asked her name she answers with the name of her character eddie comes to the same conclusions but it's all a part of double bind she says by killing and later becoming her sister the top model mima's character salvaged her heart mima leans into the mirror in character telling herself that she's a model 
Yes, I'm a model. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> well, it's better than her being Mima and all that shit. I was yes. like, whoo, <laughs> he God. saved our bacon, boys, or whatever. I don't know. Is that a saying? Anyway, the director calls <laughs> cut and the crew cheers. Rumi congratulates Mima, very proud of her for her performance. Mima looks very confused, though, as the director says that that's a wrap on Double Bind. The world swirls around Mima until everything dips to white and she stumbles into Rumi. Only now, they're outside the studio with Tarakoro, who lauds Mima's performance with Tajima, suggesting that they head to a rap party. Rumi tells Mima to go get changed so they can go. Once again, and I know I'm probably beating a dead horse. All right. Mima is clearly unwell. Yes. Right. Why are we sending, why are we making her go to a party? Uh-huh. But whatever, for appearances, whatever, whatever. Why are we sending her alone to go get to changed? To go get ready yeah. and meet yeah. us outside. What? They're, and it's funny because every single time there's been a dressing room scene, nobody has been alone. No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. It's always a loud, like, kind of rambunctious situation. But yeah. now, now we're going to. When it's the most like, no, I would just want somebody to advocate for her. Like, (laughs) it's really upsetting me. Well, it's like I said earlier about how they view Mima right now. She's commodity Mima (sighs) and she did a good job on the show and the show's going to do well. It's going to make him a lot of money. Sad. Very sad. But Mima walks alone down a long hallway, accidentally bumping into Eddie and calling her by her character's name. Eddie reminds her that she's not her character anymore, jokingly repeating her line. There is no way illusions can come to life and suggesting that she should stop dreaming soon before walking away. Girl, (laughs) if you only knew. Yeah. (laughs) But Mima then turns to see Uchida approaching her in his security uniform. Turning to find that Eri is no longer there, Mima turns back to Uchida who reaches for her. This match cuts to Rumi closing her trunk in the parking garage, wondering what's taking Mima so long. Tarakoro heads to his car, telling Rumi to take Mima home whenever she gets here. He also tells her of Mima's next project, the starring role in a video game. He says there are a few sketchy scenes, but what can you do? Of course there are. He doesn't care. Yeah, of course there are. (laughs) He's like, it's the lead role. (laughs) (laughs) But Rumi just shrugs, and she kind of has a look like, you motherfucker. Rightfully. She still has that energy. So we're not going to the party anymore? He's like, just take that bitch home. <laughs> well, she's like, what's taking her so long? And it's the fact that they've already gone to the party. <laughs> and they're like, like God, what damn. the fuck? We got an early morning tomorrow. We have other clients. <laughs> Cham is killing it out there. <laughs> but on the torn down set of the strip club where Mima's character was assaulted, Uchida takes the same posture over the real Mima holding a knife. He says that he's here to protect the real Mima, and since she didn't know that he was Mr. Mimania, she's an imposter. He tears her shirt open and she screams. He says that she tarnished Mima's name. The real Mima emails him every day saying that she keeps getting in her way. Was anybody else surprised by the sound of his voice? Yeah. Yeah. But then, then not really. (laughs) <laughs> All right. I, mean, I was like oh my goodness i didn't expect him to be like i'm mr Mima. Like, i did oh i didn't <laughs> i expected i'm Mima. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was yeah, he's like he's like cartoon man <laughs> <laughs> but mima screams accusing him of killing murano and shibuya and he tells her that she'll be dead soon too and i was like hold that thought yeah but as he becomes distracted attempting to undo his belt she kicks him off of her and runs backstage I didn't know that that was part of it. 
No, that that was like it really felt like, oh, I'm I'm her protector. And, and you know, I'm going to, yeah. you know, get rid of this person that's pretending to be like no. when he started like with that. I yeah. was like, what the fuck? It's just I mean, I I was honestly very upset to see it. Yeah, because I'm like, dude, again, and I'm not saying it goes. Well, no, it kind of does go against what his character was. Yeah, a little bit because. But I mean, again, maybe I'm. Whatever, because the issues that he had with her being sexualized or her being like commodified or, you know, whatever, sullied or dirtied or whatever the fuck, however he looks at it, Uh was Mima. And to him, this isn't Mima. And also, I mean, when you think about it as well, you look at him getting all the magazines you, yeah. you can look at it one way of, of, of being like, I'm protecting Mima from people seeing her like this. And then you can think of it in the gross, like, obsession way of, right, this is right. only for me. I'm allowed to right. say, yeah. you know, and that's, uh, ugh, I hate it. Yeah, yeah I it hate just, it, here. it just, <laughs> Yeah, it just surprised me because I didn't, that's not the, like, motive or, like, that's not what I got from him right, at right. all. No, and it gets worse. He follows her and a struggle ensues backstage. He does miss several slashes with the knife, but he lays into her with a few punches and rips her skirt off. He eventually slams her into a wall that collapses next to the stage. As he ties her feet with a belt, she reaches for an errant tool belt that's on the ground. He crawls on top of her again, his face covered in sweat, but she finally reaches a hammer, swinging it at his head until everything stops. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it froze in this moment because you you kind of had a, a bit of relief. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're like, good, yeah. thank you. But he stands up, stumbling around pathetically before he collapses unconscious on the stage. Mima stands over him hyperventilating, imagining the stage lights coming on and the crew applauding her on the set of Double Bind. So this took several watches. Right. But this is the end of the scene where the director was telling her to breathe heavier next time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's hyperventilating after hitting him with a hammer. Yeah. She's standing in the same position that she was in before. It's all again. So she's just calling back to that. Yes. Because I was like, oh, so that didn't happen. And then in a minute, it's like, oh, Oh, no, no, it did. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I think again, everything's just all mixed up. Right. But in reality, Rumi searches for Mima backstage, eventually running into her completely disheveled after the ordeal. After changing her clothes, Mima takes Rumi back to the strip club set, but finds that Uchida is not there. Rumi asks her if she's sure she wasn't dreaming, but Mima doesn't answer. Honestly, I wouldn't be sure either. Yeah. But we cut to Mima riding passenger in Rumi's car, Rumi telling her that she's taking her back to Mima's room. What? Very odd way to say that. Yeah. Can't say your room if you're yeah. home. <laughs> home. I'm taking you home. Yeah. No, she knew what she meant. Yeah. <laughs> but we transition to Mima in her bedroom, relieved to hear that Rumi is in the other room. Mima reaches for the phone to call Tadakoro, and we travel in the dark back to the television studio where we hear a phone ringing distantly. Backstage, an eyeless Tadakoro sits lifeless. His phone rings in his pocket as he slowly lurches forward, his body collapsing against Uchida's eyeless corpse. I was like, that didn't happen. Yeah. Not that we saw. Yeah. And also, Mima's room is very clean and tidy again. It is. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But back at the apartment, the eerie music begins to play as Mima surveys the room. And we see that it's exactly how her room used to be. A tank full of live fish 
the champ poster on her wall from back when she was part of the trio. Yeah. It, in my notes, I have the fish question mark. If that poster's back up, <laughs> yeah. I knew it. <laughs> and it wasn't even like the new duo poster. No. Yeah. <laughs> But she inches her way to the drapes, opening them and seeing a new view from the window. She then realizes that this is not her room. A figure steps into frame behind her in a red dress. We hear Idol Mima's voice tell her that, of course, this is Mima's room. She turns around and Idol Mima stands there, telling her that the red dress is a new costume. Her voice then doubles, and in a reflection of a nearby mirror, we see that it's Rumi, donning the ill-fitting garment and a wig, telling Mima that she's going to wear this for the show tomorrow. Rumi? Yeah. What, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> I, my, I was blown away. I could not have been more shocked. No, I did not see this coming whatsoever. I watched a video about the symbology of color. Right. In this and how red is like a kind of like a warning sign or like scenes throughout the film. Rumi when they're together, there's red by her almost constantly. And you don't catch that. And she drives a red car. Uh-huh. And I mean, all these moments of her being like, oh, you know what she said about Eddie at the taping. She said that to Rumi. Yeah. <laughs> Just the fact that this entire time Uchida was this red herring. Uh-huh. I love a, go- a good red herring. And this I love worked. Um, he was a pawn. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't emailing himself. No, he was. I mean, he thought he was communicating legitimately. Yeah. yeah. And so this is where maybe we can talk about it. I think that Rumi went on stage with them for the Cham show. Yeah. And I think that's the only thing that makes sense with the reactions from Cham. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm like, I don't understand. Because it's not as if, you know, they just continued performing as normal. Yeah. The crowd even chanted. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it, it, something happened. But so I'm like, she went up there wearing the Mima maybe costume, but yeah. like, she's clearly not her and so why did we never hear and i know that the back half of this film is really kind of reflected through mima's lens mm-hmm. uh-huh. and so yeah maybe we're not privy to people being like did you see fucking Rumi get on stage with them i'm you know maybe we wouldn't have heard that yeah well but you know in all honesty i mean it takes me back to the old days of the wwf <laughs> um <laughs> Whenever Kevin Nash and Scott Hall left for WCW, mm. Vince McMahon thought that he could recast their WWF characters with just other wrestlers. And so maybe that's what they thought they were doing. <laughs> maybe like the crowd was like, that's fake Diesel and fake, <laughs> <laughs> and fake Razor Ramon or whatever. And they were just more going along with it than the real you know, WWF crowd. Yeah. <laughs> but i don't cane dude (laughs) instead of that that's a piece of it that doesn't and again with the glowing you know those moments of idol mima glowing it's her not you know having this push and pull with herself she's literally talking to rumi yes and the thing is is that it starts off organically with her on the subway Mm -hmm. where she sees her reflection so it's already in her head that this is something that is going on so she was i mean she was primed to kind of be susceptible to being taken advantage of exactly Mm -hmm. and that only makes me think again she was in the room with uchida she was probably reading the emails over his shoulder maybe she was hugging him yeah maybe i i don't it's the only thing that was hurting me for this is that everybody sees idol mima we only see when it's roomy in the mirror Uh uh-huh so i would have liked to see when it was her for real and then because we're always seeing her as Mima Caesar. 
So it's it was just really confusing. Did she really stage dive into that crowd? Is she really jumping over the, that the light? But like, no, it's yeah. like that's She's not doing that. And is she really in dude's room hugging him? Like, I I get it, but it's it was it just kind of made it hard for me to like to really believe that she was doing it the whole time. I think for me, I think that what makes it work for me is that they hold Mima up, especially pop idol Mima, right. as this like icon. And so you have what Mima has of her in her mind. Right. And it's kind of this regret and seeing her. And so you, that explains why she's seeing her that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get she's that. like, this is her. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Uchida, who has his own vision of idol Mima. Right, right. He's seeing her in the same way, in the same costume and everything, but it's because of his obsession. And so whenever we see her on stage and it looks like Mima, I think we're seeing that through Uchida's eyes. See, and that's why the first time I watched it, I I thought that it was just the two of them on stage. Right, right. And that, that the that whole didn't happen. The whole because there being somebody else they, there they, was Uchida. No, they I, made I, they made chant Mima, uh -huh. but nobody fucking lights up like Uchida did. No. But I mean in that and I agree with you to a point because Again, we are seeing this through Mima's lens. Right. And I feel like that's why in my mind I keep coming back to that performance because Mima wasn't even there for that. No, I right, know that right. Uchida was. Yeah. But I feel like the reception of this, because I fully believe that she went on stage with them. Yeah. Um, the reception of this would have been different. Vince McMahon is, is not involved. <laughs> <laughs> His fuckery is nowhere, you know, right. in this. I, I feel like that's the outlier. That's what sticks out for me as like this theory that I have in my head really, really gels almost right. completely. Yeah. But I keep going back. I, I think keep I, going I, back I, to would, that. I would feel better if Uchida reacted that way. But then everybody else reacted like fake Diesel and fake Razor right. Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> Even if we're really focused on Uchida's That's reaction. Yeah. But in the background, you, you kind of see people like maybe even just looking confused or laughing yeah. or right. anything. But it's just like we're supposed to accept only seeing this from their point of view. But I mean, then again, you you hear a lot of applause that isn't there throughout the entire film. That is yeah. true. It, so it, I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of a mind fuck. Yeah, yeah. I feel like no, that, that's just yeah, the only and I feel like we are to a certain extent supposed to walk away confused. I don't think that this is the kind of film where the credits roll and you're like, "Oh my god, okay, so check, check, yeah, check, yeah. check." Yeah, that yeah. was her, that was her. Like you don't I personally and maybe i'm just not smart enough i don't get this i don't get that from this and oh no yeah I, I was we watched it i guess three times yes uh, -huh. uh yeah i i still i'm like yeah even after the third yeah. viewing there are things that don't fully fit the biggest thing for me being that concert i can't get past yeah that. well Khan said himself that he meant for there to be ambiguity there ha i mean because okay and, i mean yeah. and but and that lends itself to a handful of theories right. yeah, which we, is always interesting we no, talked about yeah, it at yeah. the top as well that the first time i saw this the ending which we haven't even fucking gotten to yet but <laughs> no, we're yeah. on a you know a, a runaway train at this point uh -huh. but the ending i saw it as a very straightforward okay put a bow on it i know mm -hmm. what happened at the end right repeat viewings i'm not completely sure really yeah so i mean i get that there is you know is it objectivity or subjectivity it's both they're both you know there's both involved there's uh ambiguity but this reveal back to the reveal uh-huh holy shit yeah the feeling that i got here is the feeling that i chase in every movie oh, that's got any kind of any <laughs> twist 100%. any hint of a twist that's how i want to feel
And you know, and the it, fact that I'm like, oh, you bitch! It was in front of your face, <laughs> like to me, to myself. It was there. I, th- I think yeah. what's what's funny to me is that you knew that another shoe was going to drop because yeah. you're like, she's taking her somewhere else. The yeah. movie's not going to yes. just end with them driving away yeah. Yeah. with the big it's bad like, Uchida that dead. That was fucking yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're an actress now. And yeah. yeah. Oh, we got you a part in a video game. <laughs> go Mima, I guess. But back to the reveal. Mima asks Rumi why, but Rumi doesn't respond to that name. Idol Mima answers for her, saying that Rumi has been very busy lately and was deprived of sleep. Mima begs for it to be a sick joke as Rumi sings Angel of Love, declaring that she's a pop idol and pop idols have to sing after all. When she started singing, I was like, oh, oh this shit. bitch is like, for real, like, <laughs> yeah. you're really doing it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so commitment. fucking scary. Yes. <laughs> but Idol Mima says that Mima kept getting in her way and Rumi was furious about it too. But she says that when you're an idol, fans do whatever you ask of them. And though Mr. Mimania failed, she says you reap what you sow. Idol Mima then attacks Mima with a screwdriver, crashing through the fish tank with a wild swing. They collapse onto the bed, Mima reaching up to choke Idol Mima until her face slowly morphs into Rumi's. That was yes. great. Yeah. And the glow goes away. Yeah. yeah, like shattering this illusion. Yes. And I feel like this is really the moment where Mima's like finally kind of bossing up a little bit. Yeah. But Rumi did not come to play today. Oh, no, no. I don't know what it, if it was the completion of the show or maybe even Uchida, you know, right. failing his mission or whatever. But I, I like what was the catalyst of her being like, no, nah, we're, we're done. Like, well, I think maybe that was it because it's like it's idol Mima taking over. And it being like he did fail. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you said, and something's got to be done. She said herself, Rumi's been complaining to me about this. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, she's like, this has got to stop. And so she's <sighs> getting it done. Yeah. One thing I did want to point out, and this is from repeated viewings and confirmation. I hate, there's another thing coming up later. I hate when, um, there's uh i arrived at it independently and then you look yeah, and yeah. God damn it. <laughs> but like when i thought i invented music videos <laughs> i was like with the short like, film set to the song like nay i got it <laughs> and i take it we're gonna time travel back to 1985 <laughs> but the thing is is that because our mom is left-handed i always take notice of people who are left-handed yeah uchida held his knife in his left hand which made me think back to when Murano was attacked by the pizza person and he was stabbed in his eye with a screwdriver by someone wielding it in their right hand. So it was Rumi. So she did all the murders. I mean, if right. you want something done right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uchido was a lot of talk. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even a lot of like high-pitched talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Rumi stabs Mima in the shoulder, but Mima kicks her off, leaking blood as she rushes out to the balcony. Idol Mima smiles, rising up from the ground and chasing after her. Mima tries to escape to an adjacent balcony, but Idol Mima stabs at her, causing her to lose her footing, hanging on for dear life. Mima pushes herself off, though, falling onto a nearby rooftop as Idol Mima glides after her in pursuit. Mima climbs down ladders, jumping from rooftop to rooftop as Idol Mima continues after her with ease, catching up to her. Mima knocks the screwdriver out of her hand, but Idol Mima just grabs an umbrella from a nearby balcony and continues on. Reaching some scaffolding, Mima screams for help to no avail, Idol Mima catching up to her and beating her with the umbrella. In the struggle, Mima ends up on top of her, screaming for Rumi to wake up. Idol Mima counters that, 
by saying that Mima is the one that needs to wake up and tumbles with her off the platform with a laugh onto a pile of garbage bags. They were lucky the garbage bags. They were. They were. It was a large pile of garbage bags. Yes, it was. Um, I was a little thrown off by the fact that she's screaming for help. Uh, it felt very American Psycho. Yeah. So even this, even at this point, I'm like, is this for? Yeah. Is this really happening? I get that. And honestly, in that case, American Psycho felt perfect blue. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But Mima reaches her feet, running through the alley and screaming for help again. Idol Mima just glides behind her, but in her reflection. We see a sweaty Rumi running her fucking ass off. I love that shot. I did too. Yeah, but it's the only time. It is. And that that really because she's that like again. she's uh, but I, gliding. But if, <laughs> yeah, it, you didn't do that. But you're if, not jumping from roof to roof. If we ever saw that before, it would have ruined everything. How would it have ruined everything? He's we saying after the reveal. Yeah, after, oh, after the, the reveal. Yeah, after the reveal. Okay. That's it. I and thought, it's like I would have loved. Yeah, I know we're seeing it from her point of view, but if we see Rumi so that we know, oh shit, you're broke. This is or like, or even what would have been cool was seeing it as Rumi running most of the time. Well, no, okay, but yeah, like looking at it from her point of view and seeing that she's just like uh-huh. But I I agree with you to a point, but I really fucking love the reflection of her. No, she, it, that bitch is struggling. Like Well, I, that's why I'm saying I want to see more of that. Yeah, I I I, 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 I that's I get fair. that. I will say for me, I think that it's balanced enough because I I like seeing the reflection in the mirror as the reveal. Yeah. And then with them running, because it, to me, I'm like, if I see her too much, then that won't have as much impact. Yeah. Well, the fact that it's like Mima is still like, she's still struggling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so to a point, I think both of them are seeing her in this like ethereal gliding, like what the fuck is going right, on? Right. Yeah. And, but and it's all like, fairness- no, in reality, yeah, you know, yeah. she's working her ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I would need to be seeing myself that way because yeah. <laughs> I need a water break. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn bitch, you're fast. <laughs> but Mima finally reaches the street, but cars just pass her by as she continues screaming for help. Idle Mima stabs her in the back with the umbrella, but Mima slaps her away, holding her bleeding side as she dips into another alley. Mima reaches a large window at the end of it, staring at her own reflection, but moving out of the way just in time as Rumi lunges for her. Rumi crashes through the glass, but leaps for Mima, holding the umbrella to her throat. Idle Mima says that they should end all of this. They don't need two Mimas. Mima screams that she is Mima, but Idle Mima just laughs, saying that the real Mima is a pop idol and she's just a dirty imposter. Mima cries that she is who she is, and as she pushes Idol Mima away, she tears off her wig, which causes Rumi to come back to herself. Confronted with her own identity, she screams, searching for the wig. She reaches over the broken storefront window to retrieve it, accidentally impaling herself on a sharp piece of glass. The world freezes for a moment, Rumi's face reflected in pieces of shattered glass, before blood pours from her abdomen. That shattered reflection of herself. Mm. Oh, man. And the fact that she fucking impaled herself just to uphold this... Illusion. Fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But holding the wig, she stumbles bloody into the street as Mima watches in fear. Rumi puts the wig back on, and she turns to face Mima once again as idle Mima, smearing her bloody gloved hand down her face. That shot... I swear to God. (laughs) 
it's fucking everything because she's like no we're good i yeah. mean like <laughs> you just smeared your your, your yeah. own blood on your fucking face well, because dude. she smiles she's, she's like, like oh wow like, we're fine. i'm mima like uh-huh. it's cool there's no issues here but suddenly a truck speeds down the street just like in mima's nightmare idle mima rises up joy washing over her face as she raises her arms to the headlights that now appear like her view from the stage the approaching engine sounds like an imaginary audience cheering for her, but Mima rushes toward her, knocking her out of the way as they both tumble to safety. Rumi was like, you can just drop fucking dead. You know <laughs> I loved, um, anytime someone gets yeah, out of the big old I loved the way that, again, just lost in this fucking fantasy. Yeah. The fact that, okay, we'll end it here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, we'll, we'll go out being adored the cheering mm. and again we love a forgiving queen because i'm mima i don't know that i'm pushing you out of the way i'm yeah. i mean just throwing it out there after all yeah. you've done <laughs> i don't know i maybe was too far away and i couldn't get there in time yeah you did <laughs> just choke me with an umbrella you tried to kill me multiple times <laughs> you made me doubt my own existence yeah she's she's better than all of us you right? know again a forgiving queen i i you love her But the truck speeds to a stop, the driver jumping out to find both women covered in blood and rushing to call the police. Mima lies next to Rumi, staring up into the sky as sirens wail in the distance and the camera rises above the city. Sometime later, Rumi wanders around a psychiatric hospital, the sunlight beaming in through the windows as Mima watches from the lobby wearing sunglasses. Rumi holds a bouquet of flowers, thanking Mima and remarking at how pretty they are. A doctor sidles up to Mima, telling her that every once in a while, Rumi does return to her Rumi persona. Mima says that she knows that she'll never see her again, but thanks to her, she is who she is today. Rumi approaches a mirror, and in her reflection, we see idol Mima in her pink dress and bow smiling back at her, holding the bouquet of flowers. So, Khan said that in this moment, when Mima says that, she's talking about both of them. I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for her. Idol Mima and Rumi. Both are true. Yeah. But Mima leaves the hospital, a couple of nurses whispering to each other, but both doubting that the real Mima Kitagoi would be here. It must have just been a lookalike. Mima gets into her car and turns the key in the ignition. She takes off her sunglasses, and as the clouds move across a perfect blue sky, Mima looks into the rearview mirror and tells herself, No, I'm real. She smiles, and we fade to black as the credits roll. And they play yet another banger. Uh, ten out of ten, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I just want to point out the fact that people have said, and I rewound it, and it does check out mm. that the car that Mima gets into at the end, it does look a lot like Rumi's car. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I just refuse. I just refuse to accept that Mima didn't get her happy ending. A yeah. lot of people have uh, very uh, intriguing arguments that this is Rumi leaving the facility. I I, have, I still you know I understand their arguments, but I think that the nurse would be like, "Hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> wait!" <laughs> Especially the doctor, he would have just watched her. I mean, I yeah. again, know. this is the first time I saw it. I was like, she fucking earned this clarity the sense of self yes her hair's longer you can tell time has passed uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, she's probably even more successful now than she was uh yeah if these women are like was that no yeah. she wouldn't yeah. be here i mean yeah um that is the ending that i'm choosing to subscribe to and that's the one that i thought i was being 
served. Okay. But if you go online. No, there's a lot. There are so many theories that this ending is not a happy ending, that this is not even Mima. Uh-huh. Um, and they're all intriguing. Right. Like, I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but it was enough to make me like, well, what did, what was meant? Uh-huh. Right. What was I meant well, to walk away with? What? Khan said in that lecture series, and again, which I really, really respected about him, is that he said that basically what you come up with is up to you. Right. And, you know, your opinion is as valid as the man who wrote it, which right. is, you don't get that a lot. Yeah. But he had said that what he had thought, because whenever he did the first few showings, a lot of people were kind of confused at the mirror shot at the end. Okay. And they said, you don't see the real Mima saying it, you see Mima in the mirror saying it. And so it's obviously not the real Mima. But what he said was that though he's open to all interpretations to him, the mirror is just meant to signify that she has grown a lot, Mm -hmm. but she still has a lot of work to do on this journey of self-discovery. For sure. But I, I, there's like this um, strength and her being able to look at a reflection, which was a source of confusion and and mm -hmm. fear and pain and, you know, regret and guilt and all that other fucking negative shit uh-huh. to be able to look at herself and be like, nah, it's me. Like, it's really me. Yeah. And it's a beautiful it's, moment. It's, it's a beautiful ending. And then the song's great. <laughs> <laughs> and the song isn't like, I'm secretly roomy or whatever. <laughs> it's very, very happy. Did you listen to the extended version? No. <laughs> I wiped a tear and then I stopped the film. <laughs> but let me ask you guys, because we've come to the end of it and the credits have rolled. What did you guys think of Perfect Blue? I I did enjoy the movie. Uh, it's it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the first watch is very very confusing. I I did enjoy it, and it, it like I said, there's a there was a few things that did kind of I guess hurt the movie for me, and uh, but it, it wasn't a big like I'll never watch this shit again. Like <laughs> I, we we watched it three times. Yeah, you know? yeah. we watched two more other times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I've said it before, and I'm normally one that I really don't. If I have to watch a movie more than twice, I really don't want to. You know, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. And this is—I'm oh, not gonna lie. This is kind of on the borderline of it for me. Uh, what saves it is that it's an anime and that the music is great. Because if that wasn't the case, I pro- I'm not—I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I probably wouldn't have cared much for it. Really? Oh yeah, it's—it's t- it, the cuts and there's a lot, and then it's hard—it's hard to like get into it. Uh, the emotion of it when it is back and forth and then it's like oh shit this is happening oh wait a minute and it's like okay hold on <laughs> wait for five seconds it's like mm-hmm. hold on let me let me get caught up with what you're doing um but no the movie if this is your thing fuck yeah because this movie is a ride uh it's very well done i know i said at the very beginning that you know, you can tell that love was put into this. Oh, yeah. And this is a great movie. And and it, like I said, everything that I have for me that that hurt it for me is nothing that's too big for me to not recommend this movie. Very you know fair. what I mean? For yeah. me, it, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be like, no, oh, fuck that. Don't watch it. <laughs> no, watch it. Please go watch it. It's on uh, Shutter right now. Uh-huh. Uh, I would suggest watching it. Yeah, yeah we're not, not sponsored, but <laughs> unfortunately, uh, but it, it is a very good movie, and I would recommend anyone to check it out. It it is going to take a few watches, but uh, overall, it is great. It is a good movie. You said it being a ride. That is my last note. What a ride! <laughs> oh no, yeah. Um, the and you are spot on with it being confusing. For me, that's almost. I won't even say almost for me. That's a pro. 
I like a movie that can, if they can bring it together in the end. Right. Like I said, I love a red herring. If it's a proper red yeah, herring, yeah. if you can bring it together in the end, I love that feeling of kind of having the rug pulled out from under me yeah. and being like, what the fuck is going on? Was that a dream or was it not? Like I <laughs> like to the point where I'm almost frustrated. Okay. But at the end, it's like, I see what you did there. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. get it. And there are, uh, this to me, it's almost perfect. Mm. Uh-huh. There are moments though that don't fit with, right. and I don't know if it's my um, like interpretation of it. It mm. doesn't fit in that. And maybe if I looked at it from a different point of view, it would. But the fact that, 10 people can watch this movie and walk away with 10 different theories oh, no, yeah. uh-huh. or 10 different meanings or like walk away with symbolism that somebody else didn't even catch. Like there's something so special about mm-hmm. that. And I know this isn't a new film. This is what 97. Yeah. But I feel like it's so hard to come by. Oh yeah. Then and now to walk away and be like, wow, that was, no, some, yeah. that was different. And it is not. And we talked about new Fincher. This isn't like something that hasn't been touched before. Like mm-hmm. I saw Black Swan before I saw this. Right. It didn't make me any less mind blown. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's just something really special about this mm-hmm. that I can't, I don't. And I talked about it earlier, having to step away from it for a little bit and yeah, just feeling, yeah. <laughs> thinking back of what I'd seen and nothing had even really happened yet. Feeling nervous as fuck, feeling dread. Feeling yeah, like, yeah. Being going back and submerging <laughs> myself into this, something bad is going to happen. Right. Like, and this is a fucking animated film. Yeah. I mean, I just, it it really blew me away. Again, thank you, Michael Newding. Thank you, Eggy, for recommending it as right. well. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. I, look, the first time I watched this, I was like, this is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And then having watched it now five times, like kind of in a row yeah. to record this episode, I think I can say that I love this movie. Yeah. And I don't feel uh, the least bit any kind of um, hesitation. Right, right. Saying it. Uh, I just think that, I mean, it's very brilliant and very ambitious with what it was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a lot of ways, it succeeded better than anything I've seen try it. I mean, in some ways, yeah. You know? And one thing I will say is because I see this a lot and I saw this on the fucking, I'm mad again. <laughs> <laughs> on a on fucking. A fucking no, I saw this on the fucking uh, reviews for it on Shudder. Somebody gave it one star and their only comment, anime is trash. <laughs> First of what? all, yeah. And they're like, this should, this has no business being on Shudder. D- then, then don't watch it. You know, yeah. then it's not for you. Just yeah, let just it. leave it alone. Yeah, then. It, then that's fine. I respect that it's not for you. And I need to talk shit. But it, yeah. I'm it, honestly floored. Yeah, it's fine if it's not for everyone. I think the thing that bothers me the most is that, and I, we've talked about this off mic, is that a lot of people think that um, anime, even cartoons in general, are for kids. Yeah. But there are so much in adult animation when it comes to regular animation, yeah. when it comes to like uh, stylized animation, any um, uh, fucking 3D shit. Mm. I don't know yeah. what you call Hentai that. Hentai isn't for kids. Well, no, it's, it's not. not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Point counterpoint. Yeah, yeah. I love I love how I called no. I called drawings regular. Yeah. <laughs> it and shows three D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm ve- I'm new to this. I'm new to this. All right. But all I'm trying to say is that when it comes to animation, it often doesn't regular get the respect. Regular and other. Yes, yeah, regular and you know, etc. Um, and I've I've seen Eggy talk about it and Michael Newding a lot. Yeah. You know, and then when Michael Newding sent this to us, I was like, look, I'm very excited. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. 
but I never anticipated that it would be, and it's probably my own ignorance when it comes to animation, Mm -hmm. having my own eyes open at the fact that there is and can be a lot of depth and there can be so much to it that you do come away with a handful of theories that could, you know, and I love that. And I love, like you said, hearing from other people, they're opposing theories. Yeah. That's interesting to me. And the fact that Khan himself loved it. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't like, you know what? No, that's not. This is what it's meant to be. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. wrong. You know? And that, and that's a journey I'm on as well. John Paul has been showing me anime because that was never my thing. Uh-huh. Mm. Again, I think I had said earlier, this is not something that I would have been like, oh, I got to check that out. Yeah. And so all that makes me want to do is broaden my own horizons and be like, look, just because like people, because I feel like I knew people like in high school that the shit that they watched even now would not be shit that I watch. Uh-huh. And I was kind of like, well, I don't like anime. It's like, yeah. bitch, you've never even watched it. And there's so many different kinds. Hey, anime is regular so it's like, animation. It's a regular animation. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> you should just check it out and enjoy it. So, I mean, if if that is a barrier for anybody listening, I would definitely say take the plunge. Absolutely. Because there is, there's something for everybody. And this is definitely, it really makes me like, why was that a barrier for me? I don't because know. Yeah. <laughs> This rocked my fucking shit. Like, this was amazing. And I said at the top, like, I am totally new to anime in general. Yeah. And so having watched this, it is, it's like a whole world is opened up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very excited to see what's in there. Oh, there's a lot. Oh. Yeah. there's. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you don't say. I told you I was excited. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess that can lead us to ratings. Regular ratings? Regular. (laughs) 3D ratings. But for me, on the positive side, I got to say, you know, the story, the artistry, the cinematography. I think the cinematography, when people think of animation, regular or 3D, (laughs) uh, people don't really give a lot of like compliments to. Yeah. But even though it's animated, they still have to line up the shots. You know, and it all works so well. The transitions, the message of the piece as well. Even if, you know, some of the social commentary was unintentional. Mm. Yeah. It's so poignant and it's even more poignant now with social media. For sure. We ripped on Stan culture a little bit. Yeah. We can continue. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it it, it just, it it still holds such power in this message. And to speak to that, it's really ahead of its time. Like now in 2022 and beyond. Uh Uh-huh. These people that we watch and we form these parasocial yes. relationships with, we have more access to them than ever. Yeah. I mean, you have Instagram, you have TikTok where it's like, oh, I loved her in that movie. I'm going to follow her. I know what she ate for breakfast this morning. Uh-huh. I know where she likes to shop. I know what skincare she uses. Like it's the access is honestly scary. Yeah. You used to have to be really creepy to learn stuff. Right. Now you just need an email person. address. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely ahead of its time in that regard. Yeah, I and I think that that's what I love most about it is that knowing that viewing this film 25 years later yeah. in an interesting turn of events that we're covering this kind of the year of its 25th anniversary. That is on par. Very cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to me, the fact that it still hit us this deeply shows that this movie will stand the test of time. For sure. And will probably only get more and more poignant. But um, I already said I love the animation, love the depth of it all and what you can take away from it. It really upsets me so badly that Satoshi Kon passed away in 2010 because this level of artistry and creativity is on another level. And it really sucks that there's only a select group of films 
of his that we can go to. Right. Yeah. I would love it if there was a filmography, this dude made 50 films. That would be amazing to it dive would. into. Yeah. But unfortunately, we can't. Um, but the only negative side, we already talked about it a bit, was the amount that I appreciate ambiguity. There are some things that could be a little, you know, at least I like I like it being ambiguous. I don't want it to come across that I don't. But there are some things that, like you said, Nay, don't really fit into yeah. really any theory that I have or have come across. Yeah. But then there's some shit that they do that you go back and you're like, oh, man, that, you know, this they were telling us for so yeah. many rewatches. <laughs> like, watch this film six times like I did. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, out of 10 floating fish, I truly love this movie. And I think it will eventually notch up. But for me today, out of 10 floating fish... I am going to give Perfect Blue 9.5 floating fish out of 10. I fucking love this movie. And the fact that I could watch it six times in a week and not be tired of it. Yes. <laughs> all, the, all the more. I mean, what does that say? But I have spoken too much and I will now open the floor to you. I really enjoyed this movie. Like I said, I'd never heard of it. Didn't know anything about it. Uh, it, it, it is a very interesting movie to watch and try to pick apart, I guess the first time and mm -hmm. then figure out that you can't. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, the movies, the, the music, the music in this movie doesn't need to be as good as it is. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, I know that Cham isn't a real group, but it the is music, yeah, <laughs> the music is fantastic. It's still real to me. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said the the parts that that hurts for me doesn't really hurt it like as a whole. Like I would recommend anyone to watch this movie. Yeah. Uh and if that like I said having to rewatch it multiple times does like I said it's really not my thing. Uh but it if that's your thing definitely dive into this movie for sure because there's all kinds of shit to unearth from just the fucking beginning and then the middle part and then it's like okay what's happening now what the fuck <laughs> like i said i would have liked a little more roomy just kind of seeing things that are actually happening because uh, her floating around and is it really her or is it an illusion or oh how did you get from the building across when she fucked herself up jumping on that balcony yeah, you know she what I mean <laughs> yeah she was, she was she was good it yeah, was like alright uh, how you know what I mean I would have liked to see a little more so that I could see you're struggling your fucking ass off and you're still keeping character uh -huh. yeah. you you're like this you're serious about this shit uh, and and it being an anime just made it better for me. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I was like, oh, this is fucking fantastic. But yeah, definitely recommend this movie to anybody. I will watch it again if your sister ever wanted to watch it. That's oh, absolutely. fine. I'll be honest. For me, I probably won't. Like, oh. I probably not not in anything bad. Okay. Just, like the movie is very like I guess it's very confusing. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I, I think I've had enough. It's like my <laughs> my brain is, is like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like I, give it some time and then I'll revisit it. But right now it's like I'm I'm good. It's like I've had enough. <laughs> um but on a scale from one to ten floating fish. You got it. I'm gonna give Perfect Blue a seven point five. I do enjoy this movie, like I said, but for me, 
And like I said, I've said it before. I'm not one to sit there and want to have to watch something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That many times to understand what's going on. Give me a once or twice. And then it's like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> cool. But I mean, other like I said, the anime helped it a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. Being anime, it being horror, the music, the like everything that you get out of it, the rewatch value. Like I said, there's nothing to say really bad mm-hmm. other than this really isn't too much my bag when it there is also it is yeah you know what i mean <laughs> so it's it's like i said it's right on the borderline for me uh of like them i want to watch it again to where like i need a break real quick and then i'll <laughs> i'll revisit it in some time yeah but uh, it is one to revisit no no yeah. yeah definitely and like like you said if this is or like i was saying a minute ago and you said that you really like this if uh-huh. this is your thing fucking b- go balls deep like this oh thing like, <laughs> like this movie there's all like you said there's all kinds of theories yeah, i'm yeah. sure there's shit that i missed still that like the next time we watch it i'm gonna be like holy shit i didn't notice that yeah. and it only enriched the experience yeah. yeah well like even you had said with the ice pick that was the third time and i was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even put that together yeah, man. yeah but no yeah definitely if you've never seen the movie i recommend checking it out uh like we said we're not sponsored but it is on shutter uh-huh. <laughs> uh but so just see it you know what i mean go give it a watch let us know what you think. You know what I mean? And But I, I would recommend it 100%. Yeah. Uh, you saying that this kind of thing isn't really your bag mm-hmm. really gets me to thinking. And it is 100% mine. Yeah. yeah. Like psychological horror is top of the list for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, the fact that I have been more getting into anime. And again, thanks to Michael Newton, getting more into manga. Yeah. Um, this really, it walked in at the perfect time for me. <laughs> and it already is holding so many things that I love the deep dives. I mm-hmm. love watching something and being like, I need to know what everybody thought about this and going to Reddit or going to YouTube and watching everything that I can yeah. and reading all the trivia and forming my own. Like, that is my shit. And so this really, it was just almost tailor-made for me. <laughs> and the fact that they're showing it to me in a new way, I've never watched a or anime film yeah. no and that's the thing that Khan had said during that lecture was that this was kind of unheard of at the time yeah this level of adult animation in an anime with horror elements like this well i had read i had read something that they said that it wasn't really like accepted or taken seriously like right. vampire hunter d which i still well, haven't seen vampire hunter d is before this right well yeah they but said they had to classify it as sci-fi exactly because they weren't yeah. accepting because it, it was that's it, Sucks, As a but, horror, yeah. it wouldn't have been taken seriously, so they played up the sci-fi. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, that is fascinating to me in and of itself. No, yeah. But I mean, this really it it ticks all my boxes. I'm always questing for that twist that I didn't mm. see coming. Um, which is why <laughs> you want to talk about Stan, me and M Night, okay? Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's I'm always on the quest for that. I always want to watch something that I haven't seen before. Right. Even if I've seen it repackaged in another way, this is so unique. Oh no. Yeah. Of itself. I mean, I, it just, it really blew me away. And if I can walk away from a movie immediately being like, because you said you're not really one for the rewatches. Yeah. I am. I'm like, <laughs> I need to watch this again immediately and see what I missed. Yeah. Right. Cause there better fucking be breadcrumbs and there are breadcrumbs. No, so it's like, it, there's cakes. It, <laughs> <with> the, <laughs> it really 
delivers in every way that I want something to deliver. Yeah. The only thing, again, is those few moments watching it. And I've watched it three times. Maybe I'll get it on the fourth or the fifth. <laughs> Maybe I'll get it on the tenth. But there are a few moments where I'm like, that doesn't fit with the story that I think is being told. Yeah. And maybe I'm getting the story wrong, which definitely I could be. But those key moments keep it from being a perfect experience mm -hmm. for me because I'm like last night I was like, I got to go to bed. But the performance yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, people were reacting to. <laughs> she was glowing. Yes. It's like that meme with the girl that's yelling at that guy. <laughs> I'm like, But when meme is glowing, it's really roomy. <laughs> all that to be said, I gave it. I agree with you hmm. on a scale from one to ten floating fish. I also gave perfect blue a nine point five. It is almost a perfect experience for oh, me, yeah. with the exception of those few moments where I'm like that. Oh, it just doesn't nah. fit. But again, probably a user error. Um, this is so special. Yeah. Right. I really brilliant. enjoyed this experience. I enjoyed going down these rabbit holes and feeling like I've lost my mind mm -hmm. and me waking up in Jared's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I, ev everything about it, I really um, loved. And I'm, again, Michael Newding, thank you for sending yeah. us this because, yes. I mean, just I don't know very appreciate it. I don't right. know that we would have covered it if Michael didn't send it. Yeah. Right. So I mean, very much appreciate that. Thank you to to Michael Newding and Eggie because yeah. this is not this is not probably John Paul, but me, I would not have sought this out. No, and it opens the door for us things that we could cover in the future. For sure. Oh no, yeah. Which yeah. is pretty great. I will say we did talk about all the theories that there are to be had on this film. Yeah. But no matter what you think happened at the end, whatever you think happened in the middle and at the beginning, we can all agree that Cham has changed our lives forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was pre-Cham and, and post-Cham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Perfect Blue and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Windigo Gitter patrons. And remember, not only is the path to self-discovery rarely a straight line, it's often littered with old versions of ourselves that must be left behind. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Windigo Gitter patrons. Thank you. <laughs> it's the song in our hearts now. Yes. <laughs> Special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, 
Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Alith, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Ashley Weidman, Angelica Cornelius Witt, Valerie G, JSL, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Chris Manley, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, <coughs> Beth Bauer. Come on. <laughs> grow up, grow up. <laughs> Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, and Jace OKC. Hey. Thank you all so much. Thank you. We cannot possibly thank you enough for being our champions. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Like the greatest band of all time. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a cham standing. Yeah. Oh my Stan God. Podcast. We've done it. <laughs> we came out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>